0: Good evening, it's a little after 7.30pm on Thursday the 22nd of October 2020. You're listening to coverage of the 7th General Assembly of the International Council on English Braille. My name is Matthew Horspool and it's day five today, the final day of this virtual General Assembly hosted by the Royal National Institute of Blind People and the United Kingdom Association for Accessible Formats. Being the final day, there are no papers today, and um, the crew is very much as it was on the first day of the General Assembly, really. Uh, The MC will be Mandy White, or in the absence of Mandy, although Mandy is here at the moment, so we don't anticipate there being any absences, but uh, Jen Golden is the reserve. The moderator is Shabani Kaushik, or in her absence, it will be passed to Leona Holloway. So... In this session, we will be having the resolution, after a, after a short sort of introduction and a reminder of meeting protocols, we'll be having the report of the resolutions committee, which will last the whole of session one, although depending on how well the resolutions passed, they might last less than that but assuming it uh, lasts the full 80 minutes that it's been allocated we'll go straight to a break after that and then there's all of the sort of final bits that have to be done at the end of a general assembly so there'll be the introduction of the incoming ICEB president and executive and that could very well lead into sort of open discussion about what ICEB is going to look like over the next four years. Uh, we have a braille bonus session on coins. We have a looking ahead to the 8th General Assembly in 2024. And finally, the closing comments, thank yous and farewells. So very little really to talk through tonight in terms of, uh, you know, previewing reports and things like that, except the resolutions of which there were six in 2016 and eight in in 2020 so let's have a look at the uh, members of the resolutions committee for 2020 first Uh, they are judy dixon who is the chair from the united states geordie howell from australia natalina martinello from canada jace nair from south africa donald fitzpatrick from ireland maria stevens from new zealand and dave williams from the united kingdom As I say, in 2016, there were six resolutions. Resolution number one was on research. This was to do with establishing a research committee and the research committee will uh, report back regularly on, uh, It has one member per country and reports back regularly on research in all of those countries. That has been implemented. The research committee exists. Resolution number two in 2016 has to do with world braille usage. Uh, The National Library Service and Perkins School for the Blind and, I believe, parts of ICEB had something to do with uh, establishing the third edition of World Braille Usage, which is an enormous volume. It's five volumes, in fact, of a a recognised list of all of the braille codes in the English-speaking world and beyond it talks about Russian Braille and all sorts of things in world Braille usage and there was a resolution basically to make sure that world Braille usage uh, stayed up to date that in fact has not yet been implemented Um, so it looks like that is an ongoing resolution for uh, 2020 although it's not actually explicitly listed as an ongoing resolution but there hasn't been anything to take it off the table so I guess that could still happen in the next quadrennium. Now In 2016, there was a resolution to preserve Braille music. It was calling on countries to preserve their Braille music uh, hard copy and try to digitise it. That resolution comes up again in 2020. It's an ongoing resolution. Um, Basically, the reason why it hasn't made much progress is because the DAISY Braille Music Project has got in the way. And if we look at the resolution from 2016, the resolution from 2020, they are very, very similar, except that there's some revised wording. In 2016, it said call upon all those involved to do their utmost to ensure future generations have access to and use of music braille resources from the past. In 2020, that wording has been uh, expanded slightly and it now says call upon member countries and agencies to invest time and resources into the digitization of hard copy music braille, (coughs) Uh, sharing knowledge of new technologies and expertise to ensure future generations have access to and use of music braille resources from the past so that's basically a reworking of a resolution similarly um in 2016 there was a resolution to update the new international manual of braille music that is still in progress and that uh, apart from a, a few uh, odds and ends that resolution has basically been reissued verbatim um in 2020 so that's going on apart from uh in 2016 it said investigate yes investigate a cooperative product uh, project with braille authorities within and external to the international council on english braille and in 2020 it said investigate a cooperative project with Braille authorities and other Braille producing entities within and external to the International Council on English Braille uh, to update the new International Manual of Braille Music Notation 1996 by Betty Krolick. In 2016, there was a resolution on unified English Braille and uh, screen readers and that's ongoing and that has been reissued with very different wording in 2020 and the wording has been expanded so the the resolution is now called UEB support in digital braille tools. I'm not going to read that resolution out because the uh, intention is for all of the resolutions to be read aloud as part of the resolutions report so I'm only reading aloud where there's been change and it might be important to pick up on that change. Uh, in The final resolution for 2016 uh, was Unified English Braille Outreach and Promotion. This had to do with the newsletter and that has been implemented. The ICB newsletter goes out four times a year. So this leaves us with a few resolutions extra in 2020. Um, There's a resolution um, to do with calling upon the World Blind Union to re-establish the World Braille Council. There is a Resolution uh, on availability of Braille during times of national and international crises. This has to do with ICB putting out a statement uh, affirming the importance of Braille uh, against the backdrop of, for example, COVID nineteen, affirming the importance of Braille for adults and uh, ad- older people uh, with acquired visual, excuse me, acquired visual impairment. Um, I'm just going to have a look at what they're asking here. Um, Yes, it's to prepare a position statement uh, and to distribute a a position statement saying that uh, older people have as much right to learn Braille as anybody else. Essentially, the the the, the resolution will be read in full later on. A resolution uh, to archive documentation for shorthand Braille codes such as grade three and Braille shorthand. Uh, A resolution regarding the Marrakesh Treaty um, affirming support of the Marrakesh Treaty. So this is a position statement again. And that is all of the resolutions for 2016 and 2020, hopefully nicely summarised. Joining me to discuss these resolutions in more detail as ever is Holly Scott Gardner. Holly, welcome to the stream for the uh, fifth and final time.
1: Yeah, I can't believe it's the last day. It's gone very, very quickly, I think, for all of us.
0: It really has. I woke up this morning, and, and it, I'm still confused. I woke up this morning and I thought, yeah, it's Thursday. We've got two more days to go. And then I realised that we didn't. And uh, I said <laughs> yesterday, I'm, I'm quite sad about this. Uh, I want it to go on for longer.
1: I, I am too. I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's been a really great learning experience for me and I mean it's it's just made me so enthusiastic about everything that's going on I think especially because right now we're all very disconnected so actually getting to go to things like this is perhaps even more important than it is normally
0: so looking at these resolutions you're a policy person uh, you understand policy and how it works and you've dealt with UK policy and presumably US policy and uh, possibly a few other bits of policy as well that I don't know about but I mean you know looking at these resolutions what jumps out at you?
1: I think what really jumps out is that they want to make a lot of statements whether that's you know a statement to say um, blind adults have the right to learn braille or whether it's to say actually braille is really important during times of crises and I think that's a reflection of the kind of organization that ICUB is because they don't have that much power over government at all and because it is a coalition of organizations from different countries it's very difficult for them to create a policy that would say we will lobby our respective governments to do This, you know, to produce braille in times of crises, because actually that would probably fall down to, for example, in the UK, UCAF doing that along with the RNIB, along with other blindness organisations, and the same for the other countries. But what they can do is they can put out a statement as an international organisation which affirms the need for braille in these situations and then hopefully in our respective countries we can use that to support any position we have when we say well actually we do need braille and here's what ICB says. It's, they're in a fairly unique position just given the kind of organisation they are.
0: So this is about raising the profile of uh, ICB, then right? This is about saying ICB makes a position statement that other people will trust and other people will follow um
1: i don't know it's so much about raising the profile of iceb i think it's more that they cannot say we will lobby governments because actually uh, there there's questions on whether the iceb itself really has the right to do that in that the member organisations certainly do. The member organisations can certainly go to their respective governments, but ICB can't really say, well, we'll lobby governments, because then the question becomes, well, what government? How? With what tools? You know, and it's so different from country to country. But what they can do is because the goal is always more braille, they can put out these statements and um, as a, a group of braille authorities they can say well actually we cannot talk about specific governmental positions because they just can't it doesn't make sense for them to do that but what they can do is generally talk about the need for braille
0: sure okay so there's there's three position statements on the table under there's the there's the position Mm -hmm. statement on um braille in national and international crises there's the position statement on older people learning braille and there's the position statement on the marrakesh treaty all of these are important, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I look at these as... I, I wouldn't even say that one is more important than the other. Uh, they they all pick up on themes that we've sort of talked about throughout the week. Uh, uh, and they all, they all to me, seem really quite reasonable and really quite important. And, and it's really good to see... I think, to me, it's good to see them being... Um, not exactly proactive, but certainly quickly reactive in terms of we have COVID-19, we'll make a resolution about it rather than saying, well, COVID-19 is COVID-19 and it'll pass and we don't really need to worry about it.
1: Yeah, I think it's really, really important. And actually, I think it's an indicator of how ICB will continue in future. I mean, we saw the um, amendment to the constitution that was proposed to allow for changes to the location of the General Assembly in unforeseen circumstances and that arose out of COVID-19 as well and I think it just shows that everyone within the organisation actually wants to learn and wants to use experiences to build something better and so to me it's actually very good to see that.
0: Turning our attention to some of the other resolutions that are on the table, this this reissued one in 2020 from, from 2016 about digital braille products and I'm not going to read the whole resolution but basically uh, we are calling on manufacturers of digital braille products including English braille support, uh, so products that include English braille, um, to adopt UEB uncontracted grade one as the default setting in their equipment, and we're also uh, going to try and work constructively manufact- with, with manufacturers of digital braille products to identify, <coughs> excuse me, uh, and collect outstanding errors with UEB support. Uh, so that's kind of on the on the technology side. Uh, yesterday we talked a lot about this, and distribute this resolution and supporting material to braille technology manufacturers I feel like this is overdue Uh, I feel like it's a shame we didn't get very far with this in, well we we sort of got very far with it in 2016 but I think it's good that this is still on the table as somebody who's an avid reader of electronic braille um, I mean yeah, how many mistakes are we finding What, what sort of impact are we hoping that this resolution will have
1: I really hope that the resolution leads to more consistent Braille across devices, because what you'll often find is um, a manufacturer themselves might fix an error on their end, but they may not put that fix into a wider database. For example, Liblui, even if their system is based on it, they may just implement the fix on their end, and I think whilst, yeah, okay, we want them to do that, we do hope that there will perhaps be more of a spirit of working together. At least that's what I would hope from this. And obviously any mistakes in Braille are a problem. I think as blind people we get used to them because we, we've we gotten used to having such little Braille. We actually make do with bad Braille, but we shouldn't have to.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. And I'm glad we brought up LibLouie because we talked a lot about Libloui on Wednesday. And um I I think sort of there's this assumption that people know what LibLui is, but perhaps there are people out there who don't know what LibLui is, and perhaps it's worth just taking a couple of minutes to talk about Liblui. Uh LibLui has appeared in lots and lots of programmes. It's it's a free open source Braille translation engine. So Essentially, text that is written in print can't just be sent out to a braille display the The braille display is a a dumb terminal essentially, or it needs some sort of software in it to actually convert what is in print into special characters uh, which then get put out as braille so the bit of the bit of it that allows the braille display, if you like to talk Ueb or SEB or, or whatever is the Braille translation engine and LibLui I think it's fair to say is the most popular of those. Now it's free. It's open source. It's it's very very widely used in screen readers, in braille displays, in braille embossers, in in braille translation tools. So that's I, I mean that that's how I would describe it. Is is that a fair assessment of what Liblibri is? Do you think?
1: I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and it's also very kept very much up to date so if you actually look at it you can see where fixes are being added and people are actively working on it and i think that's important to say as well
0: yes and i think the other the other part of liblui is that it's not just about braille going from print to braille yeah print to braille but it's also about braille going the other way so for example braille screen input on the iphone needs to be converted from braille back to print and Liblui, or a Braille engine, but probably Liblui is the engine that's responsible for making sure that that conversion gets done properly. I don't know anecdotally uh, whether you could possibly take a stab at, I mean, if we're going to talk about translation errors, to me, I feel like forward translation is pretty solid now, and it's actually back translation that needs a bit more work.
1: Yeah, I would say that's probably where you're going to see the most errors, certainly now.
0: Yeah. So it's ten to eight. You're listening to coverage of the Seventh General Assembly of the International Council on English Braille. Looking at some of these resolutions that sort of we haven't spent a great deal of time on, Uh, updating of the new international manual of braille music notation that is important and i think probably there's not much we can say about that but it's worth commenting on it to the effect that braille music is a universal code in a way that ueb is not ueb is very much an english-speaking code english-speaking countries use unified English Braille and it's ratified by the International Council on English Braille and 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 it's all good the Braille music code goes far beyond England far 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 beyond England far 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 beyond ICEB the music code is used in France in in Spain Italy lots and lots of international countries so we really are talking about an international uh, manual so I suppose there's really only so much that ICEB can do to bring it up to date because it needs uh, cooperation from so many different people. But I do think there's worth in doing it because as we were discussing on Monday, there are now discrepancies between the music code and UEB that probably need to be addressed so it's it's definitely worth pursuing that project and getting international support and that links in with the world braille council which is a a subcommittee i think of the world blind union and it seems to me a bit disappointing that the world braille council isn't more active do you think
1: oh i think it's really disappointing and i think it's especially disappointing because members of ICB from what i've read have actively been involved and tried to make it active it's not like ICB just said oh well never mind you know that they, they obviously care about it but then it comes to the world blinder union and how much time and resources they're putting into it or not as the case may be
0: yeah And, uh, well, we hope that they'll put more time and resources into it in the future, I guess. The final resolution, I think, I don't think I've missed any out. The final resolution, and this intrigues me, is the the resolution about digitising music braille. I think uh, it's a a good resolution. I think it's definitely worth doing. What intrigues me about this is if we can learn things from digitising music braille, Whether it would be possible to put those lessons into practice, digitizing other sorts of Braille. And this could link in with the Braille shorthand resolution, perhaps.
1: Yeah, I think it would be incredibly interesting. I mean, I think Braille music should be digitized because it makes sense. It's, as you say, a far more universal code. It would mean that if if we would you exchange files between countries then we're not actually having to reproduce stuff time and time again it would also mean that braille music which was produced quite a while ago that is on the brink of being lost or becoming so worn out we actually can't do much with it it would preserve that and I, I do think it, it would be very interesting to see how it could perhaps be applied to the shorthand codes and things like that in terms of how do we digitize and preserve those materials too because I'm fascinated by it and I think there's a real danger that we lose a lot if we don't preserve these old materials because braille well like print it just doesn't last forever you've got to preserve it somehow
0: yeah and I feel like braille compared to print is a relatively new code and we're still learning and so I think it's quite important to preserve uh, preserve Braille music, but, but preserve any sort of Braille really so that we can look back at what Braille yes. used to look like and look back at different ways in which we used to produce Braille and format Braille, not just in terms of coding, but look back at it all and think, yeah, well, you know, this is how we used to do it. This is why we're not, you know, this, we're not doing it this way anymore. Why are we not doing it this way anymore? And it it avoids sort of falling into the sort of yo-yo of well we'll we'll have this sign and now we'll take this sign out and now we'll put this sign back again. If we've got evidence of why perhaps it didn't work, then maybe we'll uh, we'll learn and, and we'll have a more robust code as a consequence.
1: I would hope so, and that would be extremely important to do that. And just in terms of preservation of our history as well, I think. There's significant effort made to preserve old print books and the same effort should be made for Braille text.
0: Just talking quickly about Braille shorthand, um, moving on to the final resolution, which we haven't really talked about in any sort of depth. This is something that fascinates me because, of course, it's possible that Braille shorthand is just not going to be compatible with UEB. But then to what extent was braille shorthand compatible with SEB? So I think if we get beyond braille shorthand is not compatible with UEB, to me, having braille shorthand and grade three and you know similar codes of that nature could actually be a real benefit. Um, I can type braille relatively quickly, but I'd still say that I can't type braille any faster than I can touch type um, and so, you know, th- th- to have a proper Braille shorthand code that we could use to take notes, um, to to take down dictation, um, anything like that. I mean, I can see this working, you know, working wonders on note takers and, and digital formats like that.
1: Oh, absolutely and I mean you can put whatever you want to put in a BRF file at the end of the day so if you're making these notes for yourself or recording something for yourself it doesn't really matter if it's compatible with UEB so long as you can actually read it and understand what the content is and I think that's important to remember as well and not to discredit UEB but what I mean by that is that there's nothing wrong with a blind person learning it and knowing okay this doesn't really fit with UEB but I can still use it and actually I I can see it being incredibly useful.
2: Mm.
0: And I can see it being useful for reading back notes as well. You know, quite often if I'm reading something back longhand from Braille, like as you know, if I'm reading, I mean, even reading for the stream and stuff like that, you know, I'll read something back longhand and I'll stumble because the word is really long and... Therefore, it takes up lots of space on the line, and therefore I've got to move down and it takes up lots of paper and, you know, it's just notes at the end of the day, I want to be able to read it and digest it very, very quickly. And I don't want to, you know, ruin a rainforest printing off you know reams and reams of notes. So I can really see this being useful in all sorts of applications.
1: Right, me too and I think one way in which I might use it would be for actual hard copy notes when public speaking because usually I public speak from a braille display because it's the best way of doing it but actually if I knew grade three or some kind of shorthand I could even slate my own notes if I wanted to and put them on cue cards um, very much like sighted readers do and it would actually fit (laughs) which would be nice.
0: It would fit and it would take a lot less time because I know there are people that can slate really really quickly but I know I'm not one of them I can't no I can't either and I feel like maybe I'm put off slating because I can't do it quickly enough to make it useful but if I could slate in shorthand I have my own shorthand for labels uh you know in in the freezer not an official shorthand code but like I I have you know bol for bolognese and ssp for sweet and sour pork and I slate labels onto Dymo tape so like I think there is definitely something to be said for if you could slate fewer characters, then you would slate more. And therefore you'd get quicker at it. And therefore slating would be, you know, sort of revived almost.
1: Oh, yeah, I hope so. I mean, I do slate, actually. I try and slate my to do list just because it's slating practice and um, I tend to adhere to a hard copy list a bit more.
0: It is one minute to eight. You're listening to coverage of the 7th General Assembly of the International Council on English Braille with Matthew Horspool and Holly Scott Gardner. We've just been talking about the resolutions that will be presented tonight by Judy Dixon, who is the incoming president of ICEB. Uh, Also, it's going to be an introduction of the uh, incoming executive looking ahead to the 8th General Assembly and uh, just wrapping up the General Assembly I'm just keeping an eye on Zoom at the moment, as, uh, as is fairly, <laughs> fairly commonplace now, uh, watching to see when they're going to start letting the observers in, because they have been starting pretty quickly, uh, you know, pretty promptly. We, we haven't really been waiting around a long time, so I don't expect we'll be waiting around a long time tonight either. They'll just be in the background testing delegates and making sure that their audio works and that they can talk to themselves and, uh, you know, and that everything works, that uh, everything's going on. Uh, okay, so so that's grand. I'm just going to uh, have a listen. No, I think they're I think they're still talking at the moment. Uh, I believe they haven't let the observers in yet. Anyway, so so that's all good. We've got uh, a fair old sign of delegates though, so that's good. No, we're just that's right. We're just uh, we're just des- deciding now what we're going to do because we are okay. We're going to let the observers in. The MC for this evening is Mandy White. The moderator is Shabani Kaushik. And I'm just going to uh, fade up Zoom and go to Mandy White.
3: This is the final day. Bit of last end of term giddiness going on. So for the last time, uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon on behalf of the International Council on English Braille, ICEB. Welcome to the final day of the 7th General Assembly. My name is Mandy White from the Royal National Institute of Blind and Partially Sighted People here in the UK, and I am your MC for the day. This event is being co-hosted by RNIB and UCAF, UK Association for Accessible Formats, and today we have two sessions. So uh, session 10 is scheduled to last 80 minutes. It might not, um, but when we, we will consider the report of the resolutions committee. And after the break is session 11, when we will hear from the incoming ICB president and executive, and we'll look forward to the next General Assembly in 2024. And then finally, closing comments. But first of all, our Zoom protocol reminder, and I'm sure we're all old hands at this by now, so very quickly timeliness. Put your video on if you're happy to do so. Everyone, please keep your microphones muted if you're not speaking. Observers, raise your hands if you wish to speak. The moderator will unmute you. The toggle function for Windows is Alt-A for mute button, Alt-Y to raise your hand. Mac OS is Option-A for the mute button and Option-Y to raise your hand. On iOS, find the mute button in the bottom left corner of your Zoom app and the more button to raise your hand. And finally on the phone, press star six for the mute button and star nine to raise your hand. Okay, I think we're all ready to go. So for this first session, I will hand over to you, Judy, Judy Dixon, who will be sharing with you the report of the resolutions committee and discussing its proposals. So thank you, Judy.
4: Thank you very much, Mandy. And before I get started with the actual resolutions, I want to thank the members of the resolutions committee. We had several very productive meetings and people were extremely prompt and responsive about getting their materials together. So I thank you committee so much. The committee was myself as chair, Jordi Howell from Australia, Natalie Martiniello from Canada, Jace Nair from South Africa, Donald Fitzpatrick from Ireland, Maria Stevens from New Zealand, and Dave Williams from the United Kingdom. Delegates have had the report of the resolutions committee for several weeks. So I assume you all have read it and given it due consideration. Observers, we have eight resolutions. I'm going to read each one And at the conclusion of each resolution, I'm going to call on each country to cast one vote. So that's how we're going to proceed. If anyone at any time wishes to go to breakout room, then um, they're welcome to do so. Just request it. Okay. Any questions before we start? Resolution 1, UEB support in digital braille tools. Whereas Unified English Braille, UEB, has been widely adopted by braille authorities across the English-speaking world for the better part of a decade and is increasingly recognized as the default English braille code in countries where English is spoken as a second language. Whereas... braille readers, students, teachers, and supporting professionals are increasingly exposed to and reliant on braille content produced by automatic digital braille translation systems, including but not limited to screen readers, refreshable braille displays, electronic braille library services, braille transcription tools, and embedded braille translation engines, And whereas many such systems used in popular products continue to exhibit UEB translation errors resulting in inaccurate braille input or output and ultimately a substantial braille, sorry, suboptimal braille experience, this 7th General Assembly of ICEB therefore resolves to Call on all manufacturers of digital braille products, including English braille support to adopt UEB uncontracted grade one as the default setting for braille input and output. Bullet. Work constructively with manufacturers of digital braille products to identify and correct outstanding errors with UEB support. Bullet. Distribute this resolution and supporting material to Braille technology manufacturers pointing to relevant resources on the ICEB website at www.iceb.org. Any discussion? It was a lovely resolution, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. Let's call for a vote. Australia.
5: We vote in favor of this resolution. Thank you.
4: Canada.
6: Sorry about that. I was muted. So I'm, I, I'm wondering, um, if we can have a breakout room just for a second.
4: What's the minimum amount of time we can do a breakout room, Giovanni? Um, I think it's a
5: minute.
4: You want it for a minute, Natalie?
6: Sure. Yes, that would be perfect. Okay. Thanks.
4: Go
7: for it.
6: So do I have to do anything or do I just stay where I no? I
7: think okay. uh I think South Africa, we need a breakout room as well for this. Well
6: then let's do more than a minute then.
4: Let's 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 do five minutes, okay? Okay. Cool. I, that doesn't quite
8: Seem possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to have to um, open up all breakout rooms. So all of you will go to your specific country right. ones.
3: That's fine. That's fine. So we'll see okay. you in five minutes, everybody. We- Get your ducks in a row.
8: We've put so much
4: see work into these breakout rooms. <laughs> it's nice to <laughs> <for you. Yeah.
3: laughs> <Yeah. No>. use <laughs> <sighs>
0: You're listening to coverage of the 7th General Assembly of the International Council on English Braille and delegates are now starting to go into breakout rooms. I'm just going to see uh, if I can find a way on my computer of seeing how these breakout rooms uh, work so I'm not having to listen to Zoom all the time. But uh, So we're in breakout rooms already for the first resolution. Um, I'm not sure I was quite expecting that. <laughs>
1: I wasn't, and I don't think it's necessarily that there's huge controversy or anything. I think it's more that the Canadian delegation seemed like they just wanted to discuss something very briefly, because Natalie did say, oh, just for a second, but, you know, it's now been decided that everyone's going to go off into their room, so it's quite interesting though, and I'm kind of excited that we actually get to see this
0: yeah it is and, and look there was as mandy was saying so much effort's been put into these breakout rooms that it is it is good to to have them used and it's good that we're allowing it to happen and um yeah it's it's great it's all it's all working um i suspect part of this will be to do with uh, grade one instead of grade two
1: i suspect so but actually it's really interesting because someone said to me the other day oh UEB isn't inclusive of people who speak other languages because they expect you to know contracted braille. And I said, well, actually, that's not really UEB. That's just, let's say you um, buy a product and it comes with a manual. The fact that it's in grade two is just perhaps a poor decision on behalf of the manufacturer. That's not ICEB's fault. So actually I would be in favor of uncontracted, even though I don't like reading it, just because it is more accessible to everyone.
0: Yeah, and especially on electronic devices, right? Because in electronic devices, it's fairly easy to change it back uh, into grade two if you want to.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: There's a bit of a problem in Zoom in the background. The breakout rooms have been opened for the wrong amount of time. Um, (laughs) You've uh, you've got to love Um, a a, a technical problem on the last day. but uh, yeah um now we've got to keep talking and we really have got to keep talking because I could uh, I could fade up zoom and you would hear silence. <laughs> so the breakout rooms have been set up uh they've been set up already before the meeting started so there are seven breakout rooms in zoom one for each country and to remind you of the countries they are the UK, Australia, Canada, Ireland, New Zealand, South Africa And the US, have I got all of those countries? Yes, I think I've got all of those countries. So they were set up. The delegates for each country will go into breakout rooms and they will be able to talk. Observers are not going into breakout rooms. Uh, Observers will just stay in the meeting. And um, so therefore they will, uh, as I say, they, they really are hearing silence. They get to go for a coffee break while all this is going on. Um, Judy Dixon is part of the US delegation, so she will possibly go into the US's breakout room uh, while all this is going on. And um, I'm just looking to see what's happening in Zoom. Yes, Christo hasn't gone into a breakout room. That's completely appropriate because Christo is the president and therefore Christo is deterritorialized. The other person who may not have gone into a breakout group at this stage would be Kathy Reeson because Kathy is also deterritorialized at this point. Uh, just to talk about how voting works. So each country, as you've probably heard, each country only gets one vote. So it's not a question of every delegate having their own vote. It's a question of every country having one vote. And this is why breakout rooms are really very necessary because countries need to go in and uh, decide which way you know in in which way they are going to vote um and it'll be up to the country to set their own rules about that we don't really have any rules in icb about how the voting should work per country you know we don't re- we don't have a rule that oh well if half the delegation uh think this way then it'll go this way you know it's really up to the countries to actually decide amongst themselves whether it should be by simple majority within the delegation or by two-thirds majority within the delegation or uh how this all works but i think this really calls into uh in, into light the good thing that is that half of the delegation at least must be blind do you not think
1: Absolutely, I think so. And I I think to be fair to everyone who's cited within ICEB, they obviously very much care about Braille. They're not random people who think they know what's good for us. But I do think it's still important to actually prioritise, or not prioritise, but ensure that the views of blind people who probably are Braille readers, or certainly I would think would be within ICEB, are listened to because there is still an element of Lived experience and understanding that even a sighted person who really, really gets blindness just is never going to have.
0: Absolutely. You're listening to coverage of the 7th General Assembly of the International Council on English Braille. I'm going to fade Zoom back up again because people are starting now to return from their breakout rooms.
9: (laughs)
3: oh that was that was huge fun right (laughs) okay I think we have everybody back in the room now so uh Judy if you want to (laughs) thank you (laughs) okay I'm gonna after your little foray into a a parallel
4: that was that was good fun I have to say (laughs) Mm. all right let's uh, go back to the voting so Canada Canada votes in favor okay um Ireland
10: Ireland also votes in favor
4: thank you New Zealand.
10: New Zealand votes
4: in favour. South Africa. You might need to unmute yourself, whoever's speaking for South
11: Africa.
7: Hi. Ah, there you are. Back. Sorry, I was... uh... Just in another application.
4: <laughs> yes, I understand.
7: Okay, do you need us to vote? Yes, please. Could you vote, please? Okay, we we support the resolution with the proviso that the grade one, uh, making grade one braille default uh, be customizable so that uh, people that actually use grade two braille can actually customize it up front
4: that's a good point and yes um let's see how we can say that UEB and be braille as the default or, um
12: james bowden from the uk yes james note it is the default it means that's what happens when you get it out the box but of course you can easily change it to whatever braille code you want after that
4: But we don't know. I mean, that certainly sounds logical and rational, and I would expect any self-respecting technology would do that. But I I certainly can understand why somebody might want assurance that that would happen.
7: Yes, because you might have a manufacturer who suddenly decides that, you know, they're going to implement that and, and nothing else.
4: To adopt UEB uncontracted grade one braille as the default setting for braille input and output. As the default setting, um,
12: with the option of contracted braille. With the option of
4: contracted braille
7: Yeah, available. For,
4: uh, available for, for Braille input and output. Would yes. that would that yeah. work for you?
7: That 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 would work.
4: All right. I shall we committee, shall we take that as a friendly amendment?
11: Yes. I think. Yes. So. I yes. think a, a good idea.
4: Point.
9: Yes. Okay. Good. Yes, in favour of that. Yeah.
11: Oh, terrific. Um, Kathy Rees in Australia here. Yes. Uh, just one other little friendly amendment. Um, you've got call on on all manufacturers of, di- of digital braille products, including English braille support. I think I think that would read better. Which is which have English braille support? Okay. Right. Thank you. As, Yes.
4: FM, are you taking notes on these changes? Yes, I am. Thank you. Okay, great.
13: And I assume we'll also have the recording that we can.
4: Yes, I'm yeah. hope, assuming we will, but I'd like to have them written down as well.
13: I'm typing as fast as I can, so Thanks. I hope that. And if you would like me to read it back, I'd be happy to. Um, do people want to
14: hear it? That might not be a bad idea, especially as we have two other countries.
12: I think think we need to to hear it after we have all the countries.
14: Sorry to interrupt. It's Melanie from Canada. Are we recording? I don't see a little recording button somewhere or a little recording icon.
9: Dave Williams, United Kingdom. Yes. Uh, I'm sort of feeling like we've had um votes in favor of this uh, I should point out i'm I'm the author of the uh, resolution, and I absolutely uh receive all these amendments in in the spirit in which they are intended, and that's absolutely fine. my concern um Judy is that you know we're in a situation now where we have australia canada new zealand have have voted in favor and now we are making amendments, so do those votes now need to be? recast for the amended resolution um
4: i would think that that would only be necessary if the amendment was something we needed to vote on and then we and then we would vote on i'm i mean i in 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 the spirit of of what democracy i'm fine with that but if i'm if anyone has any concern about any part of this process just say something
9: because okay, um, when you when you invited uh in, input and comment on the resolution there there wasn't any. Right. and I then we started that. casting votes. <laughs> right. And then uh, one and, of the countries decided yeah. actually and, they did want to make a change. So And I
4: would like and I would like to ask countries if you do have concerns, question, comment, please don't make them part of your vote. Let's have the discussion before we call for the votes. Thank if you. you. James can,
12: Bowden, UK, I was about and, to speak when you called for the vote. Okay, I'm but hold.
4: Thank you, James. Hold on just one second. I want to deal with Melanie's question because her question is not about the resolution she's She's asking that there's not a recording icon um,
3: so I, I can yeah hi um uh Judy. I've just had a note from Matthew um saying that he's actually recording um the uh, session, but um if if somebody could secondarily um run a backup recording that would be great so i just
4: did it but what melanie is saying that there's not a recording icon
3: yeah there is now
4: there is now because i just started a recording
3: all right okay yeah
13: (laughs) there there has not been a a recording icon when matthew does it because he's doing the um stream and he's he's archiving everything melanie and so he has been recording but then we've also been doing like a backup as
14: as well just Thank you for the clarification. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, no,
3: that's a good good shout. Thanks,
15: Natalie. But Tamara
3: Rory from the US.
15: Yes. Legally, we really should have the discussion and then vote. And if there are friendly amendments, we should revote because people voted on those, you know, without the amendment.
4: Okay, so let's, I'll tell you what let's do. Um, Are there any, first of all, are there any more comments, suggestions?
12: Yes, James Bowden, UK. Yes. Um, So we were just about discussing um, whether bullet point two should also include something like and encourage manufacturers to keep up to date with latest developments.
4: Okay. FM, do you have that?
12: Something along those lines, which is which is basically um, from the 2016 equivalent resolution, resolution five from 2016.
13: Uh, no, I do not have that uh, change. I was, I'm doing, I'm sorry, James, could you please uh, repeat that?
12: Yeah, something like, um, so it's the second bullet point.
13: Right. Work constructively with manufacturers of digital braille products. Right.
12: Keep going, keep going.
13: To identify and correct outstanding... Errors with UEB support.
12: Yep, and to end. and to stay up to date with developments. Something along those lines. Okay, James,
13: you're going to have to hear me typing. I'm sorry about that. Is
9: That's is okay. not? Is that not already clear? Stay up. Um, no. Correct outstanding errors. Does that not mean?
12: No, because as uh, you know, as you rightly just said, um, it's not just a one-off thing. Um, we need developers to. <laughs> continually check for updates. For example, to LibLewis there's a new version every three months. So it's pointless just having it in your development cycle once every four years. And I'm, and the reason I mention it is because it was in the 2016 Resolution 5.
4: All right, anyone have anything else? Yes, I'm sorry, this is
13: FM again. Uh, Kathy, I was not able to get your um. Your wording change for that first bullet. I got the other, but I did, was in the midst of typing and then we got interrupted.
11: At, yeah. Kathy, you are muted. Sorry, I was muted. Let's try again. Yep, I hear you. First bullet point: Call on all manufacturers of digital braille products which have English braille support, which have
13: instead of including, right.
11: instead of including. That's
13: just—it's
4: clearer. I agree. I, that makes sense. Yeah. Would so you like me to reread the hold, first? Hold one. on. H- hold on. Just a second. Yeah. FM. Let's see if anybody else has any other suggestions, and then let's read the entire resolve section of this resolution. If if that's right with everybody. Anybody else have any more comments?
3: Um, Judy, I've got, uh, um, is this just for delegates? Uh, yes. you wanting comments from? Yeah. Okay, yes. yeah, it's just there's an observer's hand up, so um, sorry, will just leave that. Yep. Yeah, just delegates. Thank you. Okay.
4: Um, is it all right with everybody if we just read the resolve? Yes. Good. Okay, FM? <clears throat> Start with right. this 7th.
13: Yes, this 7th General Assembly of ICEB therefore resolves two. first bullet call on all manufacturers of digital Braille products which have English Braille support to adopt UEB uncontracted grade one as the default setting for Braille input and output and make the option of contracted Braille available for input and output. The second bullet. Work constructively with manufacturers of digital Braille products to identify and correct outstanding errors with UEB support and to stay up to date with developments. Third bullet has not been changed. Distribute this resolution and supporting material to Braille technology manufacturers, pointing to relevant resources on the ICEB website at www.iceb.org. Great. Great.
4: All right, let's call for the vote again.
15: Australia, Donald,
9: please. Donald Fitzpatrick. Sorry,
4: Donald. Yeah.
9: If I may, thank you. In bullet point two, after the word errors, do we want to consider adding the word the phrase and omissions?
12: Happy with that?
16: That's fine with me.
9: And I was
12: going to say, it should say and encourage them to stay up to date, I think.
4: No, we, mm-hmm. we and um, do more than encourage.
12: Because we can't force them.
4: We can stop no. buying their products. <laughs>
12: <laughs> I think it works that way.
13: So we're wor- so um, this is FM again. Sorry, work constructively with manufacturers of digital braille products to identify and correct outstanding errors and admissions with UEB support. Omissions. Omissions. Yeah, I said omissions. I mean, oh, I wrote sorry. omissions, but I don't know what I just said. <laughs> I wrote om- <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and to stay up
4: to date with developments.
12: All right. Encourage and encourage them to stay. I, I don't
4: support way. encourage. I, don't. I no, I think we should make a definitive statement that we expect them to stay up to date. We're not encouraging them to do it. We want them to do it.
6: Okay. I agree with that. All right.
4: Anything else? (laughs) Australia. Australia votes in favour. Canada. In favour. Ireland.
2: Yes, also in favour.
4: Thank you. New Zealand. In favour. Thank you. I'm working on the alphabet. South Africa.
7: Um, We are in favour.
4: Thank you. United Kingdom. In favour. United States. In favour. Thanks very much. Oh, that was lovely. All right. So on to resolution number two. Availability of Braille during times of national and international crises. Whereas Braille is literacy. And for millions of persons who are blind, Braille is equivalent to print for the sighted. Whereas access to accurate and timely information is vital to the safety, inclusion, and full participation of blind persons in all aspects of society, particularly during national or international crises. Whereas, braille may also be the primary, if not the only mode of communication available for persons who are deafblind, and whereas it is imperative that member countries take all necessary necessary steps to ensure that braille and tactile graphics are made available during national and international crises. The 7th General Assembly, ICEB, therefore, resolves that ICEB bullet prepare a position statement affirming the importance of access to braille and tactile graphics during times of national and international crises. All right, any discussion?
8: It's Leona here. From Australia, Um, I just wanted to clarify the difference between a position statement and a media release. I think in in this um, situation that the position statement is the correct way to go. Um, But we did talk about having media releases um, and maybe they're uh, more appropriate for some of the other resolutions. and we haven't done media releases. And also just how do we distribute these things? So um, for a position statement, certainly we can put it on the website and um, distribute through social media and ask uh, member countries to distribute the same way. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to, to open up that discussion about how we actually make these, these sorts of position okay. statements or, uh, yeah, publicly aware.
4: I would think it's everything that you just said.
6: I think you answered your question. (laughs) Hi, this is Natalie. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it's exactly what you said, Leona, that this is what um, Maria and I had in mind when we put this together, that it would really be a statement that's on the website that we share with um, our member, our country members. And it's really just a way to acknowledge that this is important and hopefully to encourage Um, ICEB member countries to do what they can to advocate for this to the extent that they can in their own countries.
16: Ellis Landon, Canada? Yes. Uh, Another another avenue is to ask uh, member countries to send it to the relevant person in their government. Especially a statement such as this, which is
4: you know, What do folks think of that?
14: I think these are all good ideas of yeah. how to, I mean, um, sorry, Judy, Jen Golden from Canada. Thanks. Thank you. Go ahead. Apologies. Um, yeah, we, we've done something similar in Canada because we were getting questions from museums and other bodies. And so, yeah, I think these are all great ideas. I don't know, do we need to specify in the resolution how we're going to do, this, or do we feel like do people feel satisfied that you know we there is a plan of how we would do it?
16: Margaret Bradshaw, you needs to be specified. And Margaret,
1: um, I was thinking exactly along the lines of Jen that the the proposition is to prepare a statement, and then it would be up to the people who are carrying out that activity to determine. Who needed to get that and where it should go? That that wouldn't be part of the resolution as such.
4: I think that makes sense, um, and you know we'll certainly prepare the prepare the uh, position statement and then do appropriate really? things with it. Hmm? Judy, Sorry. it's Maria from New Zealand. Yes, Maria. Um, That's what
17: Natalie and I, I, when we were talking about this resolution, had in mind that we'd write some sort of statement as well as a follow-up.
14: Right. Jen Golden, Canada, just a quick suggestion that one thing we could do that the executive could charge the Public Relations Committee to implement this resolution. And, I mean, I guess that kind of goes without saying, but that to come up with a plan.
4: We already have a volunteer to write the position statement. So um, we'll we'll do that, and then we'll charge the uh, public relations committee with with acting upon it. You know, acting upon the yeah, position. The that sounds statement.
12: good to me. Right. James right. Bowling from the UK. Yes, James. Uh, this is not really a direct implication for a change to the resolution, but I reckon there's almost two position statements here. One is on the importance of Braille generally and two is the one related to the resolution about the importance of access to Brown, especially in times of crises.
4: I think there's a whole lot of uh, position statements that might be useful for ICEB. And I would encourage anyone who has a point of view who would like to draft a position statement for consideration by the ICEB executive to, to please let me know of their interest, and let's let's do that because there's a lot of topics that would be very useful to be able to refer. Oh, ICEB has a position statement on that. Um, this is a strategy that's worked very well for Ban in the past, and and it will. what I when I go into what I'm going to talk about later, so um, yes, James, I agree with you. Thank you. Anything else? All right. We're ready to vote on resolution number two. Australia?
5: Yes, Australia votes in favour of resolution two. Canada? Canada
6: votes in favour. Ireland?
2: Yes, Yeah, we, we also vote in favour.
11: New Zealand? Zealand votes in favour. South Africa?
7: We vote in favour.
4: Thank you. United Kingdom?
12: We vote in favour.
4: United States.
13: We vote in favor of the resolution.
4: All right, thank you. Resolution number three, affirming the importance of braille for adults and older adults with acquired visual impairment. Whereas there is a growing prevalence of adults and older adults with acquired visual impairment in many English speaking countries, due to both population growth and aging, whereas the most common reason for referral to vision rehabilitation services today are difficulties related to reading and access to information, whereas access to information is critical to regaining or maintaining independence after acquired visual impairment, Whereas braille is an important method of reading and writing that is used with and without technology for both basic and more advanced communication needs, whereas braille may also be the primary, if not the only mode of communication available for persons who are deafblind, whereas braille has been empirically empirically demonstrated as being correlated with higher levels of education, stronger employment outcomes, and higher incomes among blind adults. And whereas there is a long tradition of braille research and services for children, but not necessarily for adults or older adults. This 7th General Assembly of ISAB therefore resolves that ISEB, bullet, prepare a position statement affirming, sub-bullet, the importance of braille for adults and older adults with acquired visual impairment, sub-bullet, the need for member countries to support adult and older adult braille learners through research, training, and access to braille resources, And, sub-bullet, the importance of ensuring that all adults and older adults who may benefit from Braille have access to it in ICEB member countries. And that, bullet, ICEB establishes a working group to catalog a list of the available textbooks and curricula for adult and older adult Braille learners in English-speaking countries, with the goal of making this list available within a centralized public online platform. Any discussion?
6: Hi, this is Natalie. Wow, that sounds really long when you read it out loud. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Natalie is the Um, maker of the resolution. This is what happens when I'm asked to write a resolution about (laughs) my PhD research. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So obviously, we all feel very strongly about this. And what I tried to do in this resolution, the reason why it's so long is I tried to tackle all of the common reasons why we hear that Braille might not be important for adults. Um, and so that's the reason why I touched on all those points because I think that they basically help us craft this statement. All of the information we need, need is kind of already there, um, and so it's just again, it's a statement to acknowledge that this is important, and then to hopefully encourage member countries to do what they can to raise awareness about this, and then secondly to establish this committee to put together whatever resources we do have, because I think that could also lead to possible future things that we could look at, um, you know, in terms of whether there are gaps, which I'm sure there are in the resources that exist. And I've already um, volunteered to help with this. And I'm sure um, that if this resolution passes, I will be calling on others who I know are also interested to work on this as well.
4: Thank you, Natalie. Anyone else?
12: James Bowden in the UK. Yes, James. The first whereas talks about English-speaking countries. Is that necessary because the same holds true for any language?
6: So that's true. It's Natalie again. Um, The reason I included English-speaking countries is to recognize that ICEB, really our mandate is to focus on English-speaking, uh, English-Braille, yes. and so that that's why those references are there.
12: Yes. But uh, uh, The reason I query it is because um, in the actual resolve part, it does say, in I said member countries.
6: Yeah, so maybe it's a question of wording to be more clear about what we mean. Um, uh,
7: Dina Mudli yes. from South Africa.
4: Hang on one second, Dina. James, do you have a specific suggestion?
12: Um, I was just wondering, can it be deleted without without harming the resolution?
4: What English speaking deleted in the first whereas?
12: De- de- yeah, just de- de- delete the word. Yeah, delete in English speaking countries. Is it superfluous?
4: Older adults with acquired visual impairments in English speaking countries. So, with a visual impairment do to Natalie is that all right with you
12: it's just yeah. a thought it's just a thought I mean I'm I'm hoping that's a friendly amendment yes
4: would, that, would... that would be fine with me okay yeah that's fine um,
12: I also the, have one more as well hang, hang, hang on James, James. No, hang, sorry. James. Yeah, sorry Dina hold yes. on
4: Dina is before you
13: oh Dina? Uh, can this can the secretary ask for clarification yes please. the
4: secretary <laughs> Trump precludes every no preempts everybody <laughs> that's the word all right
13: so, did I take out the word "many"? Also,
4: I would think so. Visual right, impairment. So take out many. English you take speaking. out n okay. many. Do you're taking out n many English speaking countries? So it would be visual impairment due to both population growth and aging.
13: So I'll say, whereas there's a growing prevalence of adults and older adults with acquired visual impairment due to both population growth and aging. I'm taking out in many English-speaking countries.
7: Right. Thank you. Got it. Okay, Dina. Um, okay, Dina Mudley. I was going to actually support the... the um, Actually give the same suggestion, so I think we covered oh,
4: All right, thank you.
12: James.
7: Um, in the resolve part, you said
12: textbooks and curricula I wonder if that needs to be broadened because one can imagine, for example, YouTube courses or audio courses or, or, or adult learning groups or any other kind of course, which doesn't come strictly under the title of textbook.
6: So this is Natalie. How about learning resources? Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Thank you.
13: All right. So this is under the. I'm sorry. This is FM again. Um, so ICEB establishes a working group to catalog a list of available learning learning
4: resources. resources yes. For adults. For adults.
13: Resources for adult and older adults. Thank you.
4: Mm-hmm.
12: Again, hoping right. that's friendly.
4: Well, Natalie yeah. and I think it's so and if nobody else objects then I think it's friendly. All right anything else? All right we'll get, we're going to vote on this. Australia.
5: Australia votes in favour. Canada. Canada votes in favour.
4: Ireland.
2: We also vote in favour.
4: New Zealand. New Zealand votes in favour. South Africa. South Africa, we do need to unmute yourself because we didn't hear you if you said anything.
7: Um, Sorry. I was in the wrong window again.
6: (laughs) Um, (laughs) You stopped doing your email.
7: (laughs) No, I'm actually following the uh, resolutions. (laughs) (laughs) So I keep all tapping back. Okay. Okay. We in favor.
4: Yes, thank you. United Kingdom.
7: We're in favor.
4: And United States. Voting in favor. All right. Thank you much. Uh,
3: Judy, can I just clarify for observers that unfortunately um, these discussions are for delegates only, so um, we we won't be able to um, come to you. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Number four, preserving music Braille presently available only as hard copy noting with appreciation the past efforts of many people, organizations, and countries, reminding all participants of both an historic and continuing legacy of music braille, considering criteria for undertaking and outcome of the preservation of music braille, recognizing the fact that considerable financial commitment is required, This 7th General Assembly of ICEB resolves to, bullet, encourage all relevant member countries of ICEB, hang on, I'm missing some words, countries of ICEB, Their, their organizations and agencies to collaborate here, to collaborate where possible to facilitate and further the preservation of music braille in hard copy, bullet, requests that all sponsor countries Appropriate organizations and agencies make known to ICEB and relevant committees their position in respect of preserving music braille. And bullet call upon member countries and agencies to invest time and resources into the digitization of hard copy music braille, sharing knowledge of new technologies and expertise to ensure future generations have access to and use of music braille resources from the past. Any discussion?
5: Uh, Jordy okay. from Australia. Yes, Jordy. Um, so this resolution has been a charge of the ICEB Music Committee for a number of years, and so it would be nice to find a way to really progress this. Um, I was having a discussion with our country, Australian country delegation last night, and um, we'd like to find a way of avoiding duplication of material that is available in hard copy and currently electronic files and also um, investigate the the fact that it's often more economical to produce a score from scratch rather than digitise a hard copy score that's perhaps in an older format and of an older edition that's perhaps not as relevant, but recognising that it's important to preserve history and beautifully produced older, older copies of music, so we'd like to create that list of music that's only available in hard copy in each member country so that we can decide whether to continue to allow people to, to borrow that material or whether it's worth digitising it as a newer edition.
16: Thank Phyllis you. Phyllis Landon? Phyllis? Uh, just a question. Uh, one of those uh, mentioned sponsor countries, uh, the second bullet, just wondering what that, what is meant by that, just for clarification.
4: Geordie,
5: This is carried over from uh, previous years, and so um, I guess it was member countries that were able to uh, financially contribute so for example um with the us who is probably in, in my as my understanding goes is the only country that's really uh, making a concerted effort to digitize older braille copy materials hard copy materials but we can delete the word sponsor <laughs> that's perfectly okay with me
12: james is that when you're from the uk hang hang on james Sorry.
4: just for one second Phyllis is is. Do you think it's confusing enough that we should just delete the word sponsor?
16: No, I was I was just curious and ah. whatever whatever works for the the music braille people.
4: Okay, fine. James,
12: I was just going to add to what Geordie said about a list so we don't duplicate effort. This will become even more important um, when the Marrakesh comes into full effect and we can start sharing files more.
4: Yes, definitely. Music's going to be an area where that's going
14: to benefit greatly. Jen Golden from Canada. Yes, Jen. Um, I have no issue with the word sponsor either. I just wanted to know whether, um, like, do we feel that that's clear enough? I just feel like even, you know, Jordy from. I don't know, maybe Jordi, this is a question directly to you. Do you feel that it's clear enough? Um, I know it was carried over from previous years, but.
4: Would supporting countries be any
5: better? Yeah, that's much more concise in my view. Yeah. Because of, I guess, eventually, you know, we sort of hope that we can exchange music with uh, more than our member countries.
14: Right. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that we all know what we're talking about. And we'll Definitely. all know six months from now when we look at, you know. <laughs> Thanks,
5: Jen. Yeah, I agree. Margaret Bradtrout from the UK.
1: Yes. Um, I think sponsor implies money and supporting implies both money and uh, other means of support. So I, I think that's a, a great improvement.
4: Okay, let's... If if everyone is okay with that, we'll change it to supporting countries.
13: This is uh, FM against Secretary. Um, Then that second bullet right now had supporting hyphen countries, and we're would Make it two words. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sponsor. Countries and so we're going to change it to supporting as a separate word and countries. Request right. yeah. that all supporting
4: countries, appropriate organizations. Right.
11: Yes.
12: James Bowden in the UK. Yes, James. This is a really silly one. Um, this is the only resolution without the word therefore.
4: <laughs> it also doesn't have whereas. It's fine. It's it's. I mean, resolutions can take many forms and. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything. If, if the city I, I, thank you. <laughs> all right,
7: let's vote. Uh, Dina, you know, South Africa. Oh yes, Dina. Um, should we not uh, also have a, uh, a bullet point that that also says that that ISEP should actually keep a central repository of all uh, digitized text? So there are, oh. I mean, digitized music.
4: I, I don't. See it as the role of ICEB to become. It's a library. just so that we
7: don't. No, it's just so that we just to keep a list so that you don't have duplication.
5: Jordi, your thoughts? To me, that would be more a library issue, wouldn't it? Like, I don't yeah. know that we would have the cataloging expertise to take that on, but we'd certainly encourage member countries with online catalogs to. Keeping
4: a list is actually quite a quite a complex process. I mean, it's 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 sometimes difficult to tell if a document is the same document or a different document. And libraries have all kinds of fancy ways to do that. But that would, I think, be beyond the scope of of ICEB.
12: James Bowden from the UK, Ustreams. I agree with that it would be beyond. And um, certainly I can tell you that at RNIB, we had all sorts of discussions about metadata, especially for music. And uh, you know yeah. the result was not pretty, Yes, I put it that I've... way. <laughs> and I think there are already um, repositories out there. How good they are, I don't know, but I think there already are repositories.
4: There have certainly been some efforts in that direction and and uh, and tapping into those would be a good thing. And and making those resources available and letting mm, people know about them.
18: Mm, mm, yeah. Absolutely. Judy, it's yes. Mary. Yes, Mary. As a once was cataloger of the Braille Music Collection in New Zealand, um, I absolutely encourage ICEB not to get involved <laughs> in establishing a catalogue. <laughs> um, <laughs> The thing that I found incredibly frustrating was the primary producer of the music in the collection I was cataloguing had not provided proper imprint information about the original print material and the nearest I could get to most of um, the origin of the material was the date it was brailled. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the organizations that may still have the original print are in the best position to catalog what's left of their collections. Or alternatively, you have to have a braille music specialist um, working with someone uh, who has access to this to the range of print music to try and identify where did this braille come from, and that is a very key issue about the historic scores, in my opinion. Yes.
4: I agree with all of that, Mary. I, I I would I would not expect ICEB to become a cataloger. Thanks. Okay. Let's take a vote. Do we need to
5: reword this slightly then before we we vote so that that's reflected? Or can we, do just we think perhaps, as it
4: Do you think we're, we're going to
12: re-read it? Would that
5: do, do you think,
4: it? think we need to talk about what we're not going to
5: do? Uh, not necessarily, but just so that it's clear okay. that we're not. Yeah, but perhaps do we just want to reread it and make sure that we're happy with as it stands? Um, do you want the whole thing or just the... Just perhaps just matter? the resolve. Just
4: the yeah. resolve. Yeah, the, yeah.
13: Which, let's see. This <clears throat> seventh. Like gen- to- sorry? I was gonna say, would you like me to do it? Oh, sure, go ahead. Okay, since I had the, the one wording change. This, I'm sorry, this is FM again. This Seventh General Assembly of ICEB resolves to, bullet, encourage all relevant member countries of ICEB, their organizations and agencies, to collaborate, paren, where possible, close paren, to facilitate and further the preservation of music braille in hard copy. Second bullet, request that all supporting countries, appropriate organizations and agencies make known to ICEB and relevant committees their position in respect of preserving music braille. And third bullet, call upon member countries and agencies to invest time and resources into the Digitization of hard copy music braille, sharing knowledge of new technologies and expertise to ensure future generations have access to and use of music braille resources from the past.
15: Perfect.
14: Anything else?
5: Okay, let's have oh, a, a- sorry sorry Jordy. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, no, that's okay. I was just reading through stuff myself no i think i think that's pretty clear yeah okay australia we vote in favor
4: canada we vote in favor ireland
2: we vote in favor
4: new zealand vote in favor south africa
12: we vote in favor
4: thank you united kingdom
12: we vote in favor
4: and united states we vote in favor thank you thank you very much All right, resolution five, documenting shorthand braille codes in an online resource. Whereas braille has a rich history of development and coding over the past 200 years. Whereas braille and its founder, Louis Braille, should be celebrated for enabling blind people with the creation of a tactile reading and writing medium, whereas a number of shorthand braille codes have been developed and used prior to the introduction of Unified English Braille and whereas Unified English Braille is officially endorsed and implemented as the official braille code in all ICEB member countries, this 7th General Assembly of ICEB therefore resolves to bullet document the history of shorthand English braille codes to preserve their history and materials and bullet create an online repository of information and reference materials of highly contracted shorthand braille codes that have been developed and used prior to the introduction of unified English braille. That's it. Thank you. Discussion?
14: Jen Golden, Canada. Yes. yes. I, I, I don't know who made this resolution. I, I think I could hazard a guess. Um, <laughs> I did, Jen. I'm going to put my name to oh, it. Because you am more
5: than happy. It was. <laughs> it was oh, you know what? Yeah. I thought
14: maybe it was James, but um, oh. I think this no, is
4: fantastic. i not
14: on the
12: committee. No. <laughs> oh,
14: right. Okay. Um I think this is fantastic. I <laughs> have eight
4: resolutions. <laughs>
14: I just wanted to say, I think this is fantastic, and please let me help you, Geordie.
5: Sign you, James. me up.
14: Awesome. This gets no, a I, I, think
5: it's, I think it's really important to, to document our history, and I, yes, it's been a lot I of work agree. done. So
12: I'm James Dines in the UK. Yes, James. I, I'm also very much in favor of this um, on a personal level. Um, just one question. Do we, uh, it, the resolution implies that ICEB will host the Reference material is that correct because there are external websites as well?
4: Well, it's going to host the, the material when necessary and you know, ref, references to other websites as necessary.
12: Aha, uh-huh. now what's the balance? Because other websites oh, I don't can think can we know that go yet. Down um, the reason I've mentioned this, um, for example, is the PEF format which won an award less than a decade ago for its <laughs> innovation etc the website doesn't exist anymore so do we would you consider to... pef
4: a shorthand form no of but braille? i'm i'm using it, it as, i'm
12: either. citing it as an example so for example we discovered a, a site devoted to grade three braille i don't know the longevity of that site
4: well I these these are things that all will have to be worked out, but I don't mm-hmm. think we can give answers to them at the moment because yeah. we haven't even begun to delve into it. This resolution just says this is something we're going to do in the next four years. Okay, Jordy, we Geordie, request
5: leading the sorry, way. Can, can we request um, that we host some of that information from these particular I countries? I would, yeah. I would think we could. Yeah,
12: I think you certainly could, considering it's not their web material in the first place.
13: Mm. Yeah, this is uh, FM. Yeah. Um, I also volunteered to help with this. I actually have (laughs) a I wrote a I wrote a piece for the um, uh, the educator, which I think was that is the ICEVI thing on for the Louis Braille um, birthday. So um, I I gathered all kinds of really interesting pieces about um, braille codes and I'd love to share
5: it with everybody. Very happy to work with you. That's great.
16: Phyllis? Yes, Phyllis. Uh, I'm just wondering in in the second bullet if we should be specific and say contracted shorthand English braille codes a good point. Yes, we
12: probably
14: really. should. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We probably should. That's
12: good. James Bowden here. Yes. Would a consequence of this potentially be that we need to add a new section to the rule book?
3: <laughs>
12: no, no. Wait a moment. Not to document the codes, but to strengthen the code switch indicator and how one would switch to a shorthand code and back.
4: As we know from BANA having to deal with code switching issues, we, th- that becomes an extremely complex issue. Exactly. And, and um, that may be something that may happen down the road, but let's do one thing first, and then cool. we'll do
12: the next thing next. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Thanks.
11: James, I'll just put it in my notes. Oh,
12: uh, sorry. I'm not trying to give extra work to people. I'm there, just wondering there, if it would be a I'm
4: consequence. I'm thinking of the code maintenance committee and I know how much work they have to do that people sure. need yesterday and I don't think this is something people need yesterday.
18: Oh,
11: yeah. Sure. Oh no, no. I used it yesterday. When I say in, in my notes, it's yeah. no sort At of the bo- very
4: reference. bottom
11: of the list, Kathy. That's right.
14: <laughs> you got it. But not above the visible space. When you have
4: time, let's hope we get to it i mean that means if we do that means we'll have gotten a great deal else done and that will be a good thing all right Marrakesh treaty do we need to to vote on that resolution sorry oh thank you oh gosh
13: (laughs) and this is fm i'm just um confirming that we are adding the word uh, English English the second bullet where it says a highly contracted shorthand English Braille codes.
4: Correct. Yes. Thank you.
13: United States. Uh, votes yes in favor of this. Thank you. Oh, man.
4: See if I can do this backwards. You know, I <laughs> switch it up. Right. United Kingdom.
7: Yes, we're in favor. South Africa. We in favor.
4: New Zealand. We're in favor. Ireland?
2: Ireland. We vote in favor.
4: Canada? We vote in favor. And Australia? We vote in favor. Thank you. All right, Resolution 6 Marrakesh Treaty. Whereas the preeminence of Braille for blind persons is equivalent to that of print for sighted persons, whereas the Marrakesh Treaty Established in 2013, provides an outstanding opportunity for Braille readers to have vastly increased access to reading material in Braille. Whereas more than 80 countries in more than 60 jurisdictions have joined the Marrakesh Treaty, and whereas The treaty is becoming operational in major markets such as the US, the EU, Australia and many countries in the developing world. This 7th General Assembly of ICEB therefore resolves that ICEB shall prepare a position statement affirming support of the Marrakesh Treaty ICEB bullet. ICEB shall ascertain how... Implementation is proceeding in its member countries who have ratified the Marrakesh Treaty and identify whether obstacles currently exist which prevent the full implementation of the treaty in those countries. Bullet, ICEB shall create a promotional plan encouraging other countries to join the Marrakesh Treaty and Bullet. ICEB shall work with other organisations, including the World Blind Union, to achieve the above objectives. Discussion.
13: <clears throat> this is James FM. Yeah, F M. Go first. Thank you. It's <laughs> um, two two things. Um, in the second bullet, there was a capital A in the middle of a sentence that I just changed to a small A. But the more <laughs> the more important thing is, in the last whereas, um, I don't know if it's necessary to say in the developing world um, and just say many countries around the world. Um, I know that there are various ways that the United Nations and other uh, WHO and other entities
4: are just. Um, describing um
13: economic and uh... Maria
4: are you okay with in the de- in around the world instead of in the developing world Fine um, with me yes. okay yeah it's fine with me too is everybody okay with that all right anything else
12: James Bowden in the UK
4: yes James
12: um I noticed that this resolution just mentions organizations a previous resolution mentions organizations and agencies is there a distinction do we need to put the same in this one as well
4: this organizations has an s
12: i wasn't picking up on the <laughs> <laughs> i never said to but i
4: didn't, <laughs> but didn't i wasn't a, i wasn't why, I think ICEB should take on the uh, the consolidation of spelling.
12: <laughs> and addiction <laughs> oh, to CMC as well. <laughs> right.
4: Um, no, I don't do know. We- I don't know, James. I mean, it, what do you, does anybody feel strongly about that?
14: I don't feel strongly either way. I don't. I don't either. Move <laughs> on. No. All right. We're going to leave it as it is. Oh, okay could I
5: clarify ICEB's role in um, compared to sort of the role of the World blind Union with the Marrakesh treaty and how how our role differs to to the world blind Union and- well I would
4: think that it's the world blind union is takes on a huge variety of issues yeah. and we we are about primarily English Braille, which, yes, is relevant to the Marrakesh Treaty, but we're not so much about getting organiza- countries to join treaties. And but, but I mean, I think what this resolution is saying, is saying we need to pay attention. This is a really good thing for Braille readers, and we need to keep track of what's going on. We need to know what our member countries are doing. We need to go know how it's going for them. But I don't know that we need to expend a huge amount of our, re- our very, very limited resources on, on doing that. Just, just be aware. Mm-hmm. Does that help or? Yeah. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. Hi, uh, Natalie. <laughs> oh. Yes, Natalie.
6: So this is, not really a big deal. I'm just wondering about it. Um, So on the line where we mention various countries and major markets around the world, is there a reason why we want to um, specifically mention certain countries? Because there are other countries, obviously, where the treaty has been ratified. So I'm wondering if we can just say many major markets around the world or something like that, you know, countries around the world or is there a reason why?
4: I I think the idea was just that it shows that the major markets are really major. Yeah, Um, and I
13: think also, sorry, this is FM. I think also it's because um, several of these are, I mean, English speaking, they're ICB members, two of them, US and Australia.
12: not Not to be political, but the EU is not an English speaking country.
4: True enough. No, I said two but, of them are. But it's a major market. If anybody has a
6: specific proposal, i all yours. No. I'm okay. fine with keeping it personally. Okay. okay. I just wondered. Thank Thanks. You. Okay.
8: Ready to vote? sorry it's leona from australia again um judy i agree with what you said earlier about the fact that icb probably doesn't have a a major role in terms of this and i I feel like i'm comfortable with the fact that icb should prepare a position statement absolutely but in terms of um forwarding things i don't think it's about awareness of the marrakesh treaty um i think there are a lot of political things in place where ICB can't really take a role. Um, So, um, I mean, I think that the dot point about creating promotional material to encourage countries to join the Marrakesh Treaty, I don't feel like that's actually got an issue. I
4: think think you make a very good point there. And um, Maria, are you okay if we delete that bullet point? Ms. Maria, yes, Judy, um, yes. that's fine with me. Okay, great, thank you. I'm sorry, um, you it? the the second to the last one, the uh, one that starts ICB with ICB. Should be should be I, I, I agree, Leona. It's it's. I mean, it, yeah. I I think that's the pla- That's exactly the place to draw the line. Okay, great, thanks. Are we ready to vote? I could start in the middle and work my way to either side.
13: <laughs> Does anybody Does need
4: anything keeps me awake? re-read? Or? I think okay. we've got it. All right. So, New Zealand.
17: Thank you. New Zealand, New Zealand, Zealand votes in favour.
4: South Africa.
7: Uh, we vote in favour. Ireland. We vote in favour
4: united kingdom
12: we're in favor
4: canada we're in favor united states in favor australia we are in favor oh, i hope i didn't forget anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well done <G. laughs> you're good <laughs> all right number seven whereas The World Blind Union, WBU, has established a World Braille Council as a focal point for the continued development of Braille, whereas ICEB has confirmed its support for the development of a global body, as expressed in Article 3.6 of the ICEB Constitution, capable of raising the profile of Braille throughout the world, Whereas in 2012, WBU made the World Braille Council a permanent committee. And whereas, since 2012, the World Braille Council has held only two meetings and has not set up any mechanism for ongoing electronic communication. This 7th General Assembly of ICEB therefore resolves to bullet requests that the WBU take steps to Revitalize the World Rail Council, appointing a strong and knowledgeable chair, providing it with adequate resources, and ensuring a structure that will enable the committee to accomplish its goals, Bullet. Appoint a member of ICEB executive to serve on the World Rail Council and, bullet, monitor the continued development of the World Rail Council with a view to establishing closer cooperation between ICEB and the Council. There.
7: I think all we can do is is really request because uh, yes. they may not have the resources to really revitalize it.
4: Well, I, I just just for your information, I have run this resolution past Fred Schroeder, um, and and uh, he was he was fine with it.
7: Oh, great!
14: Ben Golden from Canada. Yes, I am. I know we're going to vote, but I just want to say that I'm. I'm extremely in favor of this resolution because it has bothered me uh, for years that the World Braille Council hasn't been active.
4: Yes, me too.
13: Uh, Francis Mary from the U.S.
19: Yeah. Yes.
13: Um, w- don't we currently have a a member of the ICEB exec or in in the past hasn't there? That would be me. Yes. Y- yes. I mean, has that been a, um, a regular thing that we have a member of the executive who serves on the World World Council? Is that Well, that-
4: the World World Council has had a number of iterations and it kind of depends on where we want to start. Um, I don't. I've been ICEB's representative to the World World Council since 2008. I don't I am not sure what happened prior to that. Doesn't but sleep <laughs> WBU didn't didn't make it an official committee until 2012. So it just kind of floated on its own before that. But the World Braille Council is what brought us Braille 21. So I mean that's mm-hmm. the hugest claim to fame mm-hmm. and and it was a spectacular conference and and it was well done.
8: Uh, It's Leona. I I wondered whether the second dot point, um, rather than saying appoint a member, that we say that ICB should be an active contributor to the World Braille Council. Could we say both? Yeah, I just felt like we had already appointed so. (laughs) Well, I just want to, you know, it would
4: be nice if the, the, the body um, actually, affirmed that that was a good thing for us to do. Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. Do, so, we're, do we want that wording added? Appointed the member. What? What? What is your wording suggestion, Leona? What was a? Uh,
8: so I was suggesting that ICB should be an active contributor to the World Braille Council.
4: Appointed member. Appoint a member of the ICB Executive to serve on the World Braille Council and to be an active contributor to its endeavors, or something like that.
14: Yep. <laughs> okay. I. Yeah. Sorry, Jen. I, I agree, Leona, with your point that we should be an active contributor, but I feel like if we are appointing a member, I don't think anyone ever appoints a member with the assumption that they're going to do nothing. Or at least really, we hope not. It, <laughs> it's like. It doesn't I hurt. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. It doesn't, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't I, hurt anything. No, it doesn't hurt anything. <laughs> I. I is I just sense.
4: think we should leave the the appoint a member thing. I think, I we, should ju- I think we should leave the appoint a member. Also, I I okay. I would encourage the the body to take action that that's something that that ICeB should do.
14: Appoint so, a member and be an active. I was I was
7: about to say that um, it'll be very difficult if that if if the World Council is not uh, doing anything for for someone from ICeB to really push them you know well, you can push and, and, yeah some yeah so
4: someone from ISAP is only one person and there in the past, yeah. there's been 20 people or so on the on the world bill council so at, at times it's difficult but the the times when when there's actually been meetings and there's been members i mean the, the biggest problem with that is there's been a bazillion ideas and no resources I mean, unless unless mm. WBU is going to to resource the World Rail Council, it really can't do much. I mean, World Rail Twenty One was because one World Rail Council member decided to take on running a con- conference, and and you know, World Rail Council got a lot of credit for it.
13: This is uh, FM. Mm. <clears throat> okay, uh, I'm unclear as to whether we added the phrase to that second bullet or if we're just leaving it as is.
4: I have no problem either way. Leona, what's your thought?
8: Hi, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm happy to leave it as it is, although I have just seen a comment from Bill Jolly as well saying that um, we have to be careful with our wording in terms of our expectation that we would be invited to appoint a member. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's why I said. It. Right. <laughs> yeah.
17: <laughs> right.
4: We'll we'll ask to be a member if we have to. <laughs> okay. I
14: mean, we are currently so. Well. Fun.
4: Yeah, I mean it, it, the the last chair resigned a year and a half ago, and they haven't done anything. We're going to appoint someone at their meeting which would have been this past June, but since they didn't have a meeting, um, they haven't. Okay. I'm sorry, uh, so uh, we're gonna leave, I think we're gonna leave it as it is. Thank you.
5: (laughs) Ready to vote? Australia. Australia votes in favor.
4: Canada. Favor. Ireland.
2: Ireland votes in favour.
4: New Zealand. New Zealand votes in favour. South Africa.
12: Uh, We vote in favour.
4: United Kingdom.
12: We vote in favour.
4: United States. Uh, We vote in favour of the resolution. Great, thank you. Last one, and we are actually getting near the end of our time. Eight. New International Manual of Braille Music Notation. Whereas Braille music is the only universal Braille code, whereas there are some elements of music not yet represented in the Braille music code, and whereas more work is needed with regard to integration of music Braille with unified English Braille, the 7th General Assembly of ICEB therefore resolves to bullet investigate a cooperative project with braille authorities and other braille producing entities within and external to the International Council on English Braille to update the new International Manual of Braille Music Notation 1996 by Betty Krolick. Comments?
12: James Bowden from the UK. Yes, James. The third whereas, um, about further differences in, 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 with UEB, I have a slight problem with that because most other countries won't even care about UEB in terms of Braille music code.
5: That's a valid point. Jordy? That's a valid point, James. Yeah, But who are we writing this
4: for?
12: Well, NIM is 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 a a global resource for everybody because the music code is as you say in the first warehouse is universal. So we we can't really make Braille Music uh subsidiary to UEB, just as we couldn't make Braille Music subsidiary to say German music or German language or whatever else language.
4: What are you what are you what are you suggesting?
12: Do we just delete the whereas? The third one.
5: jordi I'm in favour of doing that because really ICEB wouldn't be leading the project as the manual is beyond the scope of English-speaking countries. So,
12: Can, can I ask how much more work is needed on the, the subject of UEB and Brown Music and the integration between them? Because, I mean, we've done a lot of work and it's already published. Have we actually encountered other areas of concern?
5: I don't think so. But uh, other people may beg to differ. But I agree with you on that. So this resolution was carried over. So right. at that time, there was less work done. Let's yeah. just delete that. Yep. Yeah. Uh,
4: whereas clause.
12: (coughs) i see rogers in the room he probably has all sorts of things to say uh...
4: (laughs) yes i'm sorry we don't have time for observer comments Uh, today so the uh the uh, third whereas has been struck okay any any other comments all right let's vote united states Votes in favour. United Kingdom.
7: We're in favour. South Africa. In favour.
4: New Zealand. In Favour. Ireland.
2: Ireland votes in favour.
4: Canada. Canada votes in favour. Australia. Australia
5: votes in favour.
4: Very well. Thank you so much, everyone, for your attention to this uh, process. It's a really important process these resolutions help set the direction for the organization for the next four years. And we're going to work very, very hard to get them done to the best of our abilities. Thank you. Mandy, over to you.
3: Right, help if I unmute myself. I was just congratulating you, Judy, on your oh, timing because you. <laughs> I had it finishing on my draft plan at 21.25. So uh, that's pretty impressive. There so um, time for a break, stretch of the legs and a bit of refreshment. And for the last time, for those of you within earshot of your audio device, our popular audio postcard slot, where in the UK will we be traveling to today? I'll speak to you again in five minutes
0: people on the stream will have to wait a little bit longer to find out where we're traveling to today uh, because we are going to uh, take a short break at this point from the live stream and go back to commentary. It is 9.27pm. This is uh, live coverage of the final day of the 7th General Assembly of the International Council on English Braille with Matthew Horsepool and Holly Scott Gardner. And yeah, I think it's first of all important to reiterate that it was never really stated in any of the resolutions, but these resolutions are uh, nominally for a four-year period. So it's expected that by the next General Assembly in 2024, there will have been substantial progress made on all of those resolutions if not that those resolutions are actually um, done and completed and we can move on Uh, so hopefully there won't be as much of a a holdover from 2016 to 2020 24 as there was in 2016 to 2020 so um, there's not an awful lot to say about the resolutions themselves because they've already talked about them but that was a really robust discussion I think
1: I think it was a great discussion. I personally really enjoyed it. I think there were lots of very, very good questions asked. Um, the discussion was fun as well. I, I, well, At least that was my impression that it was really fun and, you know, good questions and really people working out, okay, what what is this resolution trying to do? And that's always a good question because sometimes you write something and then when you actually read it back, it, it's not always clear what your goal is.
0: No and uh, that was interesting because it felt like the people who wrote the resolutions knew what it was about and, and it, was, it was great to have that level of okay who wrote this resolution, who wants to comment on it you know uh, the, the, the authors of the resolutions were called out not in a nasty way but they were given the opportunity to give their own take yeah. on what everybody else was saying and I think that was really good as well.
1: I think it's really, really important and, you know, authors would sometimes say, oh, actually, that's a really good point, we don't need to include that, or no, I think we do because, and then they could explain why. I also thought it was really fun that you could see people's interests coming through as well in this. Obviously, these are all important issues, as we said at the beginning, but you know everyone who is blind and who's a braille user is going to have slightly different interests like for me braille music isn't an interest whereas for you it really is and i think you can see that really strongly in who creates what resolutions and what you know gets people really enthusiastic
0: yeah and jen's guesswork about who created the shorthand resolution i thought that was quite a a funny (laughs) moment and there was some great braille banter throughout all of that wasn't there
1: It was good, yeah. It was really nice to see, actually. I think it just shows how much of a good community this is and actually, you know, everyone really works together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mandy's just announced on Zoom that we have a couple of minutes to go, so we've got another couple of minutes to to keep commenting. Um, These resolutions set the future direction of ICEB. Uh, That's quite a sweeping statement. I don't know if you have any comments on that.
1: I think we have to be careful, as in I think they absolutely do, because broadly they are ICEB policies. They are not however binding. If if a resolution cannot be achieved for whatever reason, it's not like, oh we're going to strike down the committee, they failed. Because the main thing is, you know, this is a group of braille authorities and individuals who are working together but I think everyone within ICEB is very clear about what are the limitations of ICEB and that whilst these are resolutions and some of them are fairly easily actionable, for example, releasing a statement, um, that doesn't necessarily require the cooperation of anyone else, but some of these resolutions, for example, ones looking at technology companies, if no tech companies will work with ICEB, the resolution hasn't failed just because ICEB couldn't achieve it and I think it's important to acknowledge that and that as global issues change and who knows what will happen I mean coronavirus hits us out of nowhere it seems so you know we don't know what will happen in the world so it could be that ICEB has to focus on other things there could be another huge controversy in the world of UEB that requires everyone's attention (laughs) so it's you know it's one of those things that we it, it does dictate the policy but it's not um it's not forced
0: absolutely you're listening to live coverage of the 7th general assembly of the international council on english braille going into our final session now where we'll hear from the incoming executive uh, in particular the president we'll look ahead to the 8th general assembly and we'll have some closing comments and thank yous and farewells we have had a time signal from mandy to say that she's going to get started right about now
3: judy are you back in the room I am back in the room. You're back in the room. That's great to hear. So, okay, everyone. I I hope you are suitably refreshed and enjoyed our double destination postcard from north of the border and across the Irish Sea. Uh, Welcome back to our final session. First of all, I would like to ask Judy Dixon, the incoming ICEB president, to introduce her executive and share with us some of her initial thoughts on plans for the four years ahead, and then Judy will introduce our last Braille bonus session. Thank you, Judy.
4: Okay, thank you, Bandy.
3: Is my video on? Yes, it is, Ah, yeah, that's great. Thanks, Judy. Okay, thanks.
4: I'm going to introduce the incoming executive committee who were elected yesterday. Uh, Myself, of course, as president, and immediate past president is Chris Dodeclerc from South Africa. Our code maintenance officer is Kathy Reeson from Australia. Vice president is Ilka Steglin from Ireland. Our secretary is Frances Mary D'Andrea from the United States. Our treasurer is Jen Golden from Canada our public relations officer is Maria Stevens from New Zealand. And our members at large are James Bowden from the United Kingdom, Geordie Howell from Australia, Nechivani Nechituni from South Africa. And that concludes the list. I look forward to working with each of you and I want to remind all member countries that those serving on the executive committee are your representatives to ICEB. Each rail authority should be regularly asking your ICEB executive member, what's going on with ICEB? Tell us all about it. And you should stay up to date on ICEB activities and you're encouraged to provide your input on everything that we're doing. We'll hold the first meeting of the incoming executive on Monday, October 26th at 20 hundred UTC. And I will be sending out the agenda for that meeting no later than tomorrow. I wanna take a minute to tell you about my personal relationship with Braille And when I'm finished, I'm going to invite the other members of the incoming to, if they wish, to share a few words with you. I grew up in Florida, which is the southeasternmost state in the United States. I began learning Braille at age five when I attended a school for the blind for the first year and a half. I left the School for the Blind at their request, which is a different story that I'm not telling today. And, but I did continue learning Braille when I attended public school for the rest of my school years. And at, at university, of course, I used Braille extensively. I was a mathematics minor and used a great deal of Braille. I earned a PhD in clinical psychology in 1979. I did my dissertation on daydreams and fantasies of blind and partially sighted men. I wish I could hear you all laughing. It's one of the sad things about virtual meetings. Feel free to unmute yourself and laugh anytime you (laughs) wish. I...
3: (laughs) We're well, with you, Judy. Just yeah.
4: <laughs> following. I, I've worked at the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled, which is our our national library that produces um, Braille and audio materials in the United States. I've worked there for 39 and a half years. And while there, I have been involved in many, many different Braille projects. Among them, and certainly the one that's nearest and dearest to my heart was the creation of web braille which was our service of providing electronic braille downloadable from the web which was implemented and launched in 1999. since then um, i've been involved with designing the braille interface in our mobile app and now i'm working closely with the team headed by tamra rory conducting the pilot tests of NLS's new Braille e-readers. Our director, Karen Keniger, has made that possible. And uh, Karen is a huge friend of Braille and, and, and will have a major Braille legacy to leave behind. As a hobby, I have written 15 books for the National Braille Press, most of them having something to do with the iPhone. But, and, and braille usually in them too, um, writing with braille and an iPhone and all of that. But my most recent book is about identifying and labeling the things in our lives that has a great deal to do with braille. Braille is a big part of my life. It's braille's all over my house. Um, braille books, braille displays, braille label. Everything is braille labeled. And my husband becomes extremely upset if he finds something in the kitchen that is not properly labeled in Braille. So uh, it's something we we both, my husband is also a, a lifelong Braille reader. And Braille is something we care a great deal about. So would anyone else on the incoming executive um, care to say a few words?
19: Elke Steglin here. Judy, can I say a few words, please? Um, Hello everyone, just to say that I'm really honoured to have been nominated and have been voted to serve as Vice President of ICEB. Um, I fell into Braille about 25 years ago when I became the personal tutor of a blind student at a university in the UK where I worked for a few years and after I moved to Ireland I set up the National Braille Production Centre and led that for 17 years Before moving a little bit more into education three years ago, my interest in Braille at the moment kind of spans the childhood and young adulthood of students I would be working with so pre braille skills early Braille but also. The transition for students who have started with SEB and who have problems transitioning in young adulthood because of other problems in their lives to UEB is something I'm particularly interested in. At um, ICEB level, we set up the Irish Braille Authority in 2012 with a lot of support from ICEB and um, have worked with them and with us as a group since. And my interest um, is also very much in Ireland to look at the further now, development day, times, of, of life, life. which we presented on and to see that it is thriving hand in hand with UEB um, in the country. And um, yeah, I think that's all. And I really look forward to working with Judy and the rest of the executive over the next four years.
4: Thank you. Anyone else? This is Francis Mary, and I'll
13: yes, chime in for a, a second. Um, I got interested in Braille <clears throat> um, <laughs> in high school. Actually, I I started volunteering for an after-school program for children with disabilities when I was in seventh grade, and one of the the families who I got to know who had um, a daughter who was actually my age who had some uh, severe disabilities, um, as it turns out. Um, this, I grew up in a very small town, everybody knew each other. So um, this man, who was also my high school typing teacher, um, had a sister who was blind, and she needed um, a reader. Uh, This is before uh, lots of um, the cool technology that we have today. And so I used to go over, they lived right by the high school, and I'd walk over. And um, she was just this very, very dynamic and interesting woman and um she was a lifelong braille reader and i got very interested then and um then and there decided i want to work with blind people and <laughs> i went to college <laughs> to go do that and that's what i've done ever since and i've just been in love with with braille um since uh, i don't know yeah. basically my whole life so and i think part of that is because i i am such a reader and I got that from my mother. And I think people who love reading and people who care about literacy and reading and know how important it is and the difference it can make in people's lives, I think are are just really passionate about um, literacy. And that's how I feel about braille literacy and making sure that um, children (laughs) learn braille and become as literate in, in braille as they possibly can. And now in my role at the university, um, I try to instill that love of my students, even though <clears throat> I hear that um, my class is one of the hardest they've ever taken, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and I think at the end of the semester, um, they um, are justly proud of themselves for what they've learned. Um, but what I really want to instill in them is that love of reading and what Braille can bring to the lives of the students that they work with.
11: Thank you. Anyone else? Um, Kathy, oh Kathy Reeson here. Oh. Yes, Kathy. Okay. Um, here very short hey, hang on Maria, let's like, you're after Kathy. No worries. Okay. okay. I, I fell into um, being involved with Braille over 30 years ago now when my sister, who was a teacher of the Vision Impaired, said, Kathy, you would be good as a transcriber. You'd need to learn Braille. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> and she said, uh, we need someone who can do music Braille. Okay, so I did. I, I had someone who taught me who... was was very pedantic, uh, which which was really good. But I've grown, in a 30-year career, I've moved from starting out on the Perkins, doing everything on the Perkins, throwing away multiple sheets of paper which had errors in them, and starting again, and whatever to to transitioning to doing everything on, on the computer, working from electronic documents, but one of the one, one of the things that over the years I've been really passionate about, and I think it's because coming from one of the smaller states of smaller population states that is size wise not but population wise of Australia, always feeling like um, I didn't have access always to good documentation and good hands on support, as in right next to me of needing of really good, strong documentation. I suppose that's um, that philosophy has come through, which is why I've been asked to chair the Code Maintenance Committee because I'm really passionate about the documentation. And, and I, over the years, I've worked on a number of the Australian Braille Authority documents and, um, and have done a lot of the actual writing you know sort of physical producing the uh, electronic copy of them um along with you know sort of uh, it's either be me me or or leona who who's actually produced the actual document a document so that's where i come from and i have um i can't say i'm specialized in any one particular air area of braille but i do transcribe music technical codes, maths that, foreign languages, you know, sort of standard literary texts, you know, sort of, it's lovely when I get a novel to do because they're very rare and rare to do. Somebody else usually does them. But, um, yeah, I have a very broad Braille knowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Maria? Can
4: you hear me? Yes. Okay. Okay.
17: Okay, so I'm a lifelong Braille reader. Um, I come from quite a large family of 11. Six of my uh, siblings have vision impairment, but I was the only one that was taught Braille back in in that time. So I really am grateful for that because my other five siblings who had vision impairment didn't pursue an education to university level. And with Braille, I had so much support that I was able to do so. Um, I acknowledge Mary Schnackenberg who employed me as a Braille proofreader back in 1986 when the change from the Perkins Brailler uh, to the computer was sort of just coming into being in, t- in 1987-ish so I was a proofreader in and around Braille well, I left think oh, I to the just flourish and grow for our younger students coming up um, for their learning and for their lifelong braille, well, has developing and for their lifelong ambitions and dreams that they want. Thank
14: you.
4: Thank you, Maria. Jen, I hear you as well? Yes, oh, I did.
14: Yes, you did. Okay. Um so thank you all for trusting me with our money. Um that's a, that's a compliment. Um even though international wire transfers are always fun. So I am um I am also a lifelong braille reader and I, I'm like FM, I'm I'm an avid reader and I also got that from my mother. And that to me is sort of central to my identity, the fact that I am a reader for me, that is um, a huge part of who I am, and so while I, I, you know, I love Braille, and I, I think it's a cool code, and I'm, I want to be involved in all the things I'm involved in, um, and I, I think it's, I really neat that it was um, invented by a blind person, but um, I guess where I'm going with this is that while I love Braille, really it's reading that I love, and Braille is what makes that possible because without Braille, there would be no way for me to read i I my background is actually my educational background is linguistics. I didn't really get into the sort of code side of the Braille world. In the early 2000s, I became I I got my certification. And then in 2008, I joined Braille Literacy Canada, which was called the Canadian Braille Authority at the time. And then just gradually over the years, I've gotten more involved um, internationally. And so I, I just my final thing that I wanted to say is for those of you who may be new to ICEB, um, one of the things I really appreciate is that we really do have, um, we really have a good community. We, uh, I think we, you know, we work well together and it's it's really, um, I'm really looking forward to being able to meet again in person because as fantastic uh, a job as mandy and team have done this has been great but there's something about getting together with a whole bunch of people who understand what you're talking about when you start talking about the importance of braille and you know we have lots of other things in common too but it's a really great apart from the good work that we do it's a really great community to be involved in so thank you and it's it's an honor to represent my country thank you
5: anyone else Shorty from Australia. Um, like Jen and Maria and you, I'm a, a lifelong user of Braille. I uh, studied music throughout my schooling, started uh, learning piano and um, then discovered that probably singing was going to get me a lot further than my piano was, so I carried on with that uh, throughout university um, for work. I'm a, a Braille music transcriber for Vision Australia, But I'm also a teacher and for 15 years I taught adults Braille uh, for Vision Australia also. Um, But I then went back to study, which was quite a difficult thing after sort of 10, 12 years of not studying. And then uh, did my Graduate Diploma of Education and I now teach children music and Braille music. In 2011, I was encouraged by Christine Simpson, who was the past chair of ABA, to join the executive of the Australian Braille Authority. And from there, um, Bill Jolly was also instrumental in encouraging me to um, take more of a keen interest in uh, the work of ICEB. And I'm really honoured that over the last little while, when I've been chair of the ICEB Music Committee, that I have been able to observe the executive meetings and really learn a lot more about the workings of the organisation. And it's a real honour for me to serve um, on the committee and represent Australia in this way. And uh, I'm very passionate about Braille. I have it all over my house too. I have lots of particularly Braille music books, but um, a lot of electronic Braille devices too. And I am all about promoting it and getting everyone involved with using it.
4: Thank you. Most of my Braille is cookbooks. <laughs> All right,
12: anyone else? James Bowden from the UK. James. So I would echo what Jen said. It is an excellent community we have in this organization. Um, it really is an honor to be representing the UK to UK, to ICEB. Um, like several others I learned braille as a child and um, I had the experience of having enough sight to learn print as well and that has stood me in good stead to know what is meant by various things in print as well as braille the thing that fascinates me with braille is that it's just got six dots and yet you can do so much with it from ordinary literacy, right the way through to complex maths, right the way through to different languages, music, and so on, and so on, and so on. I guess I have a background in computer programming and all that kind of thing Um, it says in the biography that I wrote my first braille translator as a teenager it took 15 minutes to translate 20 pages (laughs) yeah not the finest translator in the world and if you ask me I will tell you some absolutely horrendous things it came out with I'll give you one s.5.2 l which is a corruption of the word several because there's an ea in it and it thought that was dot two so yeah dot five dot two not good um i think we've come a little bit further since then um i have got interested in things like grade three and i did actually use it um, when i went to australia the first time i didn't have any of this fancy braille tech that we love we have now and so i just took a slate or as we call them in the uk a hand frame and i wrote one page of 18 cells eight lines each day in hyper grade three and then spent ages and ages trying to decipher it when I got back to put it on the computer but it was well worth it and a great trip um so yes it is it is an honor to be um serving ICEB I am a musician as well as um, um a braille technical person I guess and uh thank you thank you anyone else
4: All right, well, thank you very much. And uh, it's a wonderful executive committee and I'm sure we're going to do great things together. Mandy, should we have our braille bonus now? Mandy, are you here? Shabani? Rookie
3: era, man. Yes, I'm I... here. Yeah, Shabani, can you play us the um, final Braille
10: bonus session, please. Thank you. Past Farrell here. Someone once told me there's no money in Braille, but let me assure you that there's certainly Braille in money. Join me in a quick trip to five continents to find Braille on both popular and collectible coins. Firstly, let me say that sadly, the Braille representation on most coins, given the size of circulating examples, is usually too small to be read by touch. Blind people, anyway, are quite adept at recognizing the value of both coinage and paper money, don't you Let's start in Asia. Palau issued its five dollar coin. The date 2009 is in Braille. Palau issues many commemorative coins as part of its economy. India issued its two rupee coin. The jury is the winner regarding circulation in a nation of 1.3 billion people. It features L L braille written in braille. Thailand is a 10 baht coin with 10 in braille without the numeral indicator. This caused consternation in Holland's coin machines as it is exactly the same size as a two euro coin. Referring to the exclusion of the numeral indicator, this is a feature of many coins, possibly as a space saver. South of Australia now, where the 2000 Invictus Games were marked by the issuance of a special $1 coin with Sydney-18 written in Braille. Across the Pacific, Peru and South America, Costa Rica and Central America, and Mexico and North America have all issued coins with denominations from five to 500 written in Braille. Quite small in all cases, but nonetheless, nice to see the effort being put in. Further north, the one quarter dollar in the state of Alabama features Helen Keller with her name in Braille. Louis Braille himself is commemorating a special one dollar coin. The 1995 Paralympics were marked by the issuance of two coins with the word Spirit, written in Braille, success. Six, six. Canada issued these swappers. 100 is written in Braille on it. This particular silver one is in a capsule. His companion is not and you can read the braille on him. Back home, Croatia, the Czech Republic, so Slovenia and Poland have issued coins with braille. The Croatian ten kuna is uh, the lightest coin I've ever come across. It is pure gold, half a gram. And this small gold flake. it features a fingerprint, as well as braille. The Belgium issued this two euro coin with LB in braille on it. It probably takes the award for the most readable coin in an area of 340 million people. The euro zone. Italy of course issued a 2 euro coin to commemorate Louis Braille's centenary as well, but then they always had the 500 lira coin marked with Braille. Poland issued this attractive Penzlotti coin. You can see the Braille on it. And the white cane and fingerprint on the back. The former East Germany commemorated 25 years of its blind association by the issuance of this coin. Lots of Braille on it as well, in German of course. It is an attractive coin. France, of course, where Louis Braille came from, has issued many medallions, but not so many coins. This is a 105 commemorative, which shows a stylus, a hand-reading Braille, and lots of Braille, and the man himself on the other side, Louis Braille. So that's it, Around the World and Six Thoughts. It might not suit everyone, but at least we know the Braille is out there. Enjoy. Thank you.
3: Okay. Thank you very much um, to Pat for that. And uh, my apologies for the slightly poor um, audio uh, sound on that. Um, so uh, Judy, I think you were going yes. to. Yep. I'm ready. You're going to go on to the looking yes. forward. Yeah, that's right. Okay.
4: Thank, thank you, Mandy. Um, isn't it wonderful? So many of Pat's coins had some some reference or other to Louis Braille. That's mm-hmm. really, that's really nice. Um Now we're going to talk about looking ahead. The agenda says looking ahead to the 8th General Assembly, but um, what I'm going to do for a few minutes here is just look ahead. Um, At this time, we don't know where the midterm executive or the 8th General Assembly will be, but I certainly hope we will be together in person for both occasions. Any country that's interested in holding either one, please contact me especially if you're really far away. (laughs) As you might imagine, uh, as there was a possibility that I would be elected president, I have been giving a great deal of thought to ICEB. And as I see it, I would like to undertake three goals for the next quadrennium. Um, Increase visibility, expand capacity, and grow the financial base. And this week's meeting has been really inspirational from Aubrey Webson's comments on International World Braille Day and the Right to Read campaign. These are great ideas for the Public Relations Committee. And this is all about expanding our visibility. There has been so much discussion this week about digital braille an ICEB must take more of a role communicating with developers so that digital Braille can best meet our needs. This is another area where we can increase our, our visibility. I'm so encouraged by how many people have come to these meetings this week. And for many, it was the beginning or the end of their night. We had our delegates, but we also had many observers. I think the highest number I saw at one point was 88 So total. It was absolutely terrific. So especially to you observers, if you liked what you saw, I want to encourage you to get involved. This will help us expand our capacity. We need more people involved in doing the important work of keeping Braille alive, available, and relevant. We need your help. You can contribute to our newsletter, social media. You can be a member of a committee. We need more people on committees. You can be an observer on a committee list. We need people to do the things that need to be done to accomplish all these resolutions and all these other things that we talked about this week. So I encourage you, if you are interested in the work of ICEB, think about what you'd like to do and get in touch with me or get in touch with one of the committee chairs and you'll know who they are when you look at the agenda. We need to grow our financial base because if we grow our financial base, we'll be able to do more things. We can do this by attracting more associate members we have a provision for this in our constitution, but at the moment we have none. I'm also thinking that we could develop a corporate sponsor program, which would be very positive for ICEB. Let's let the companies in the braille field know that we are here and know that we want to support them as they support us. We need to be more in touch with young people learning braille, and perhaps we can start some kind of an ICEB scholarship. I am mindful that we could certainly bite off more than we can chew, and I will try very hard not to let that happen. But with all the passion and commitment to braille that we share, we can work hard together to be sure that the next generations can enjoy the same benefits from braille that we have benefited from. If this meeting had not been virtual, I am sure that I would have had many conversations with so many of you about your ideas for the future of ICEB. And I would really like to hear those. And and unfortunately, time doesn't permit that to happen now but I would love to hear from any of you who would like to share your thoughts on what you think ICEB should do in the next four years or out into the future. My email address is judy at judydixon, j-u-d-y-d-i-x-o-n dot net. So please write and share your thoughts. Before I relinquish the microphone, I'd like to offer my sincere thanks to RNIB and UCAF who have organized this meeting. I've worked on the planning committee and we started planning, seems like last spring, I think it was. And no detail was too small for Mandy and Dave and Matthew and Shabani and James and everyone. And I can see from the way this meeting has carried out this week, no detail has been has been too small it's all worked out and paid off so it's been a fabulous meeting not that we wouldn't prefer an in-person meeting we all would but we were able to get a, get our work done we had a venue for our activities and i love the postcards and the braille bonuses they were they were such great diversions at just the time when we when we needed a diversion so thank you very very much ucaf rnib mandy and everyone for all your efforts so i'd like to with that turn it back to mandy and that's it for me thank you
3: so thank you judy and her executive lots of great ideas there good luck to you all with the resolutions and exciting plans ahead so Um, Now is the time for closing comments, thank yous and goodbyes. All very sad. Nothing was ever going to satisfactorily replace the um, seeing you all in the flesh in our iconic capital city. But I think, I hope we made the best of a very bad situation. So first of all, I'd like to travel around the world yet again and visit our countries for final comments. And then I will ask Christo to say a few words and Roger to say a few words, Roger Furman, who is current chair of UCAF. And then finally, I'll wrap up at the end. So um, firstly, could we please go to Australia for your closing comments and thoughts? Hi, it's Leona.
14: So
8: um, I'll speak for one minute (laughs) and Johnny will have one minute. Um, Just because I'm a bit flexible, Leona. You're all (laughs) all right. I won't
3: won't be pinging my bell. We've got plenty of time.
8: (laughs) (laughs) I think even two minutes would not be enough for me to express my thanks and my passion for ICB as I exit the um, executive. I um, will probably will write something for the next newsletter if you'd like. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I did want to just say thank you to everyone. I'm, I'll be stepping down from the executive, but I won't be disappearing completely. Um, and I, I wanted to also to echo Judy's comments um, about the fact that we have lots of observers and lots of people who are interested in, in braille and um ICV is a very welcoming place for people who are interested in getting more involved at an international level. So, thank you. And, Geordie. <laughs> thank you.
5: Um, I'd just like to, to thank the UK organisers and, um, for your exemplary programming and these wonderful Zoom arrangements, and particularly for those postcards. Not being in England with you all, that made me feel like I just travelled there for five minutes every so often, so I really appreciate that. On behalf of Australia, I really want to thank Leona for her hard work. I'd like to acknowledge you, Leona, for your humbleness and your approachableness, and you just get the job done and you always have other ideas, both at a national and international level, so thank you so much. I'm looking forward to the involvement of country representatives on committees personally. I think we can work together to, to increase that. And I'm very honored to be in this position on behalf of Australia. So thank you very much.
3: Thank you, Australia. And now over to Canada. Hello, I'm muted. I'm yeah, we can
6: hear you, Natalie. All right, excellent. Wow. Um, so what an incredible five days of talking and learning all about Braille. Um, on a personal note, this was my first time attending um, an I meeting, and I very enthusiastically await a time when we can actually all meet in person to prove that we all exist. Um, And on that note, um, Canada has already expressed that we would be very happy to host the uh, midterm meetings in in two years, and we can talk about that more offline, but I just wanted to share that. On behalf of Braille Literacy Canada, um, we just want to thank everyone who played a role in organizing these meetings during what I know have been very strange and confusing and constantly changing times i have no doubt that you will all enjoy a well-deserved sleep and a glass or glasses of wine i know i would if i were you um, so i just wanted to thank everyone who played a role the executive everyone who hosted um, a session technical support all the incredible speakers and papers um, This has been such a great opportunity to to find out what's actually happening in our member countries, and I think we'll just revitalize our enthusiasm and help us collaborate more going forward. Congratulations to the incoming board. Thank you to everyone who who is stepping down, especially to our very own Phyllis Landon. And so just a a job well done. I'm very jealous. I think it's Judy who has the collection of slates. Um, (laughs) Very much enjoyed hearing about that. But thank you to everyone on behalf of Canada. And here's to ICEB and here's to Braille.
3: Thank you very much, Natalie. And over to Ireland, please.
20: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, wherever you are in the world. Uh, I'm Brian Dalton from Ireland, like Natalie from Canada. This is my first entry into ICEB, and I'm very excited to be part of it. I've been a Braille reader all my life for more years than I care to remember. Um, Braille has a serious aspect to it, such as school and learning, but it can also be made so much fun, too, and I've enjoyed the aspects of both sides of it. I remember when I was learning Braille as a child, my mum was learning Braille at the same time, and we would race each other to see who could know more contractions and letters than the other one did. And I remember in school, um, lots of the, or three of the Irish delegation went to an integrated secondary school in Dublin, and we would make Braille fun, by taking their notes in class and we would race each, race each other on the braille machines to see who could finish first to add the fun aspect to to braille um, on behalf of the Irish delegation I'd seriously like to thank the or we would like to thank the organizing committee you've done a fantastic job on what was a very very difficult situation uh, to bring the event virtually and have little or no hiccups online it's a credit to everybody on the organising committee. Um, Many of the papers delivered throughout the event touched on aspects of braille, which we here in Ireland have continued to promote. One that stands out in my mind is the adoption of UEB into other languages other than English. Unified Irish braille has been adopted into Duxbury and into Libluwi as well. Ireland have also worked hard on the promotion of braille too such as the event in the library in Dublin at the start of this year that Ilke referred to in her report. We here in Ireland have received lots of thanks and positivity around the live stream of the event that you've made available. People who may not wish to register as an Observers have definitely grabbed the stream with both hands and got involved which is really really good. And finally I'd just like to congratulate all the incoming officers for ICEB. It's a great group of people, and I definitely think, and we definitely think here in Ireland, that the future of Braille is in safe hands. Thanks.
3: Thank you, Ireland. And over to New Zealand, please. Um,
17: good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's Maria here, speaking on behalf of the New Zealand delegation, which is. Um, Chantal Griffiths, Lena Coleman and Mary Schneckenberg, and myself. It is truly an honor and a privilege to be a member of this international Braille family. Being able to join you all virtually, wherever you may be in the world, to listen to present, presenters sharing their knowledge, skills and experience, moderators and MCs handling the tricky aspects of Zoom, and fielding comments and questions, I commend each of you. Well done. If the world could see how collaborative and passionate each of the attendees at this ICEB General Assembly feel about Braille, its importance and claiming its rightful place in our lives now and into the future, I imagine Braille would be more out there in the community as is print. I have been amazed and humbled by the Braille challenges for us in New Zealand, which are also the same challenges for each of you in your own countries. The content of the last five days has been just incredible. I know I haven't spoken much throughout the Assembly, um, though it is not because I have nothing to say or contribute. It is more that someone else has already covered a point or points – I was thinking about making and sharing, and I was just too slow. But be assured, I am definitely following all the discussion and thinking about what we in New Zealand can do to increase the amount of Braille for education and adult learners and users. Let's not underestimate the value of a face-to-face meeting and the networking that takes place. But I think... Um, having about 180-plus attendees from 14 different countries, the opportunity to attend is... I would like to acknowledge Mandy and her team for doing such an outstanding job. My araha, which means in English, love and best wishes to each of you um, listening right now and who may listen later. I hope when the time is right... Um, for each of you, you will have a virtual or actual real drink or two to celebrate this truly informative, wonderful General Assembly.
3: Um, stay safe and God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. And over to South Africa, please.
7: Hi, um, this is Dina Mundi from South Africa. Um this has been one of the most awesome um, meetings that we've had. This is only my second um, ISEP. I attended the first one in 2012 and uh, uh, was, was elected to represent the country uh, at this one. So it's been an absolute honor to be here, but also for the organizing committee to host such a wonderful event. Uh, my hat goes off to you and to say congratulations on a brilliant event. Um, I think a lot of people that wouldn't have had the opportunity uh, at a face-to-face event had the opportunity to see what ISAB is all about and what ISAB does. And I hope this encourages them to participate in their own structures and to... Down the line, um, you know, serve on the ICEP committees and also uh, one day even join the ICEP exec. For the for the executive that's uh, the people that are stepping down, thank you for a wonderful job that you've done. You've left a um a mark, a historical mark for for others to view. Um we want to also say f- to the incoming executive, um, it will be an absolute pleasure to work with the incoming executive. And we know that Braille is going to be um, taken care of and it's going to be in safe hands and it will be promoted back in our own country. There's uh, a lot of work that needs to still go in, um, in getting, Uh, braille tables um, done for all the official languages, Um, to also promote music braille, which uh, is sadly uh, lacking in in South Africa, Uh, to also promote technical braille, which uh, there's very limited resources around that area. And to promote braille amongst um, schools, educators, uh, universities and other institutions as uh, there are fewer and fewer people actually reading braille these days and we need to reverse that trend. So I think together with ISEP, uh and each member countries, we need to find a way of promoting and making braille exciting again. And one of the thoughts that we had earlier on is that um, I'm not sure the exact date or the exact year, but we we were talking about Louis Braille's 200th uh, anniversary. And we thought maybe it would be an opportunity to have an entire calendar of events for that year promoting Louis Braille, Braille having competitions, games, various things designed um, around that whole theme. And from South Africa, we want to say congratulations and thank you to observers. Thank you to uh, delegates and to the organizing committee. A job well done. Thank you.
3: Thank you, South Africa. And moving on to United Kingdom. United Kingdom, I think it's Jim who's going to speak. Shibani,
2: is he? Do you need to unmute, Jim? Is that that me unmuted now?
3: It is, Jim. Thank you very much. Please go ahead.
2: I would first of all like to say how privileged I am to be a a delegate to this 7th General Assembly of ICEB. I never thought, uh, you know, during my time as a a Braille proofreader at the Scottish Braille Press that that would ever happen. Um i told you yesterday how i was encouraged by visually impaired teachers to read braille i was also encouraged by my parents to read braille and and in fact they were my best teachers and to this end my father learned braille so that he could write to me whilst i was at school and uh, uh, and i was encouraged to read braille during the holidays and when i was home at weekends and i was also lucky enough to live in Glasgow with my parents and right across the road from us there was a, a council library which had a Braille section. The library is still there but the Braille section isn't. I would like like to first thank uh, my fellow delegates Margaret, James and Dave for, for their support. I wish to thank Mandy and her team uh, for all this, the work, the hard work that they have done and I think the postcards w- was a very innovative uh, event during the, the conference. I enjoyed those and I particularly enjoyed your Braille bonus session, Judy. I have a very small collection of Braille slates, but it's nothing to what you're, yours is and I, I applaud you for that because I think it's important that those items of for producing Braille are preserved. I would like to thank all the observers and delegates for attending and i thank to the the presenters who gave, who gave excellent pa- excellent papers i wish the the new exec, the new incoming executive of ICEB well and i will be following your deliberations with interest i um, think that the, the future of braille is in, is bright because we'll have low-cost uh note takers nowadays, the orbit reader and the braille me. And who knows what's around the corner. So just to sum up and say a big thank you to all of you.
3: Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you, United Kingdom. And over to United States, please.
15: Hi, this is Tamara Rory and I'm speaking on behalf of the United States delegates. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed this meeting as we all have. And I when Mandy mentioned the other day that we were going to be doing these speeches and she said, you know, it'd be a bit repetitious. I thought, well, I'll, I'll write some notes and therefore for I'll have something different to say because I'm going to be at the end. Well, as I listened to these eight countries <laughs> go through, I mean, every single one of my points got mentioned in advance. So. Sorry for the repetition is all I can say. Um, I'd like to, first of all, congratulate the incoming executive committee. I know you're going to do a great job. Um, I can assure you that Judy has been thinking about this for years. And so she has lots of ideas and plans um, that I hope she will have an opportunity to implement. Um, She will need assistance with that. So I encourage anyone who wants to Um, get involved, there is room for you to do so. I remember uh, in 2016 when the meeting was in Baltimore, I was an an observer at that meeting, but um, the meeting was in the United States. So I assisted with preparing, helping prepare for the meeting. And I just remember at the end thinking, taking a big breath and thinking, ah, Thank God it's over. (laughs) And that was because it is a lot of work. I don't think anyone understands how much work uh, the team has put in to get this ready and then to have it not happen. It was ready for May in London and then it didn't happen. And then you had to plan a whole new virtual conference. And so I have to, Just commend you for what you've done. This has been a fabulous, fabulous conference. You know, it is always wonderful when you can be in person with people and uh, really talk about Braille and be able to speak about something that you all have in common that very, very few people have in common, which is your love for Braille and your interest in using Braille and your, um, you know, commitment to keeping Braille going throughout the world. And even though we were not in each other's presence, you could still feel those same good vibes coming through over this conference. So, you know, that is so important that that we have this opportunity. I wish we could do it more often than every four years, um, but it is, it's wonderful to have this virtual conference. I know that we're going to have a, um, in-person conference the next time. And I just thank you for for all the work that you've done and put it into this.
3: Thank you very much, United States. So, uh, and thank you very much to all of you for your kind thoughts and observations. And now Christo, Christo de Klerk, our retiring ICB president, would like to say a few words.
21: Hello, this is Christo from No Particular Territory. Um, (laughs) Earlier, when people were sharing their bios, I thought I should share with you how my life in the blindness community started. I was six years old when my parents drove me to the School for the Blind in Worcester. It's now called the Pioneer School. And we were driving around Worcester. My dad stopped the car a few times and asked for directions to the School for the Blind. At about the third one, I asked him, why are you looking for the school for the blind? Who's blind in this car? You see, I thought if you were little, you saw little. And as you grow up, you see more. So seeing and drinking wine are benefits of adults. Anyway, you must understand that um, I grew up in a hotel. My parents used to manage a hotel in Cape Town. Now, in those years... At night, you could put your shoes outside the hotel door and the shoe shine, the guy would come along at night and clean your shoes. And next morning, you would find your shoes, they're all cleaned. In those days, they did not steal your shoes and your shoes did also not walk away on their own. Now, my first night in the hostel at school, I put my shoes outside my room door. Next morning, the assistant matron came along and she said, no, little Christa, this is not how we do it here. And she put a brush and and, and a, a, a tin of shoe polish in my hands and showed me how to clean my own shoes. Now, the South African delegation will probably know or know of this assistant matron. That was Joanna Zieli. She was the wife of Antoni Zeely, who used to be the manager of Braille Services before Philip started working there. It was mentioned earlier in what good spirit the ICEB exec has been working, and I can confirm that. I've been on the exec since 2008, and in all the years since then, there's never, not once, been the slightest friction. It has been such a pleasure working with all of you who have served on the executive committee. In 2012, at the um, General Assembly in in South Africa, I was elected as the vice president, and at that General Assembly, Pete Osborne was elected president. Two years later, uh, Pete's circumstances changed, and he had to step down, which made me then the president by default that was about six weeks be- before the midterm meeting, uh, which was quite challenging. But fortunately, at that time, uh, Mary Schnackenberg was the immediate past president. And she was my mentor. Uh, Mary, you, I have thanked you before, and I thank you again for being my mentor, for showing me the ropes, for helping me along. Um, Because, you know, this thing came upon me very suddenly and unexpectedly. But you, you guided me. At that time also, Judy was my secretary. And I don't think, Judy, you even realize of how much support and help you've been to me. And the two of you got me on the road, guided me, helped me along, And thank you so much. Then in Baltimore in 2016, I was elected president. A new executive committee was elected. And it was a powerful group of people I had uh, working on the executive committee. Uh, Everybody pulled their weight. And I think in those four years, the executive committee and ISEP achieved many great things. Thank you for your support, for all the work you have done um, during uh, my term of office, um, what you've done for ICEB and for the English Braille uh, community the world over. In conclusion, I would like to thank the organizers of this event for the highly professional way You've you've organised. I've never seen anything like this. Um, for those of you who do not know, there's been a, a WhatsApp group with um, the organisers on on the group, and and I was there, and it was almost like there's a there's a, there was a side conference going. Um, there would be about fifty messages a night uh, with uh, arrangements being made, uh, care being taken to make sure everything goes smoothly. It was wonderfully done. And this, at the be- at, in, in my first address to this General Assembly, I said that um, being together would have been the first prize. Let's make this a good second prize. And it was more than a good second prize. It was an excellent second prize. Thank you so much for that. Thank you to the uh, delegates. Thank you for the lively, interesting way um, in which you participated, uh, engaging with interesting subjects. Thank you to those who wrote and presented papers. Those papers are a treasure to have now. Uh, Those were excellent papers, really interesting. I would also like to thank the observers for giving their time to come here, uh, participating also where, where you had the opportunity to, but showing your commitment for spending these hours with us. Uh, thank you for that. And and go from here and promote Braille as it should be promoted. So with those words, I, I thank everybody. Um, And I look forward to further engagement with you. Uh, I am happy to continue serving on the executive committee as the immediate past president. And, Judy, I will make every effort to be the support to you that uh, you were to me as secretary and um, that mary was to me when when she was immediate past president so keep well everybody and from me i say goodbye
3: thank you christo it's truly been a pleasure and we're nearly there i'd now like to ask um, roger Furman for his closing comments on behalf of the hosts rnib and ucaf roger are you with us
22: yes can Lovely. you hear me please yes. go uh, th- ahead yeah. th- thank you and hello as we come to the close of this iceb seventh general assembly i have the enormous privilege to say a final word on behalf of ucaf and rnib as the host organizations we know this has been a different journey with new challenges and opportunities but still very much able to bring people together to celebrate and look to the future. Thank you to everyone who has attended in whatever capacity. We hope your time with us this week has been both rewarding and enjoyable. Please allow me for a few moments to thank the home team who have worked tirelessly to make this event a success. While I am unable to thank everyone concerned by name, I must mention the entire UCAF board, Alison Long, Sharon Williams, James Bowden, Dave Williams, Margaret Bradshaw, Jim McCafferty, Matthew Horspool, Jeff Mills, Tim Nelms, Karina Burt, Sue Day, Sarah Marginson, Richard West, Mandy White, and our UCAF president, Lord Lowe of Dalston. Thank you very much. Mandy, back to you.
3: Thank you, Roger, for your kind words and thanks. Well, as you all know, organising events such as this, well, two events, a thwarted one and a virtual one, takes time, effort and contributions from lots of people. So I have my own little Oscar speech prepared here, as I would like to personally thank everyone for their part in organising this event. So firstly, I B, my thanks to them for allowing me the time to work on this project and to Alison Long for making sure the finances were there when they needed to be. My thanks to Robin Spinks for looking in his extensive Little Black Book and persuading Ambassador Webson to give us such a brilliant keynote speech. And my thanks to Ranjit Saar for finding us the Google Academy for our week-long event and all for free, truly the grooviest space in central London, which sadly we never got to sample. Next, UCAF, many thanks to the board for their support, particularly Richard West. Together, we paced endless streets of central London, checking out the suitability of hotels and the accessibility of the House of Lords. And also Jeff Mills, who created the Assembly website for us and collected all the payments from attendees and then had to refund everyone and set up a brand new website when all our plans changed. My thanks also go to the International Committee for all your help at the beginning with reviewing the papers and then more recently with our weekly meetings, trying to sort through how best to change a schedule designed for five full face-to-face days into something a lot shorter and in a completely different format. It was really great to have you guys to bounce ideas off and ensure I wasn't plowing my own furrow off in completely the wrong direction. MCs Judy, Dave and Jen, moderators Ilka, Leona, Shibani and FM and chairs Geordie, James and the Multitasking FM again, not forgetting her secretarial duties. Thank you one and all. Our WhatsApp group was a godsend and we managed to rise to the challenge and learn new skills along the way, dealing with overheating computers, inserting audio, breakout rooms and Flipping, random, muting and unmuting and muting and unmuting, we got there. And a special shout out for Leona on the tweeting. I had never really understood how you followed an event on Twitter. My experience of it had been limited to trying to follow my son's university rugby team, which always started well, but if they were losing, they were too depressed to tweet. And if it was close, they were too excited to tweet. And when you were hoping for maybe just the result, they were all by then too drunk to tweet. So thank you so much for a lesson in best practice tweeting, Leona. It was a revelation. Which brings me to my local committee here in the UK. Did I mention I had quite a few committees? <laughs> James Bowden, thanks so much for your help and support, particularly with all the BRF files. I can assure you all, James reviewed every ICEB Braille document in your conference pack, and it was very reassuring for me to know that for an event such as this, the Braille was truly in the hands of the master, Jimmy Dott. Next, Dave Williams, who came up with a brilliant idea of the audio postcards and brought them all alive with the excellent sound effects. Thank you so much for all your technical advice and support on Zoom and letting us use BrailleCast for the live stream. Your knowledge and advice has been a godsend, and although the creation of the dreaded contingency plan left me a gibbering wreck on the floor of my office with all the horrendous, disastrous possibilities for failure that could possibly happen, it was so reassuring to know it was there if we needed it. Thankfully, we never did. Matthew Horspool, thanks so much for all your technical work, recording the presenters, getting Zoom sorted for us and broadcasting the live stream. The live stream, now there's a thing. I thought you'd just transmit what was happening on Zoom and be done with it, but no. We have the presentations playing, then you previewed the programme ahead and after the event. We had post-assembly analysis. I know you said it was just pub banter, but I want to be in the pub with you. And special thanks to your pub friends, Holly Scott Gardner and Sally Clay, and also Rachel Owen for help with the video editing. Your work with the podcasts and papers deep into the small hours means that ICEB have a brilliant record and archive of all the papers and discussions of the event. And I hope you get to bed tonight before 3 a.m. So finally, finally Shibani kaushik have you got your video on yes you have i know this event was was way too much work for one person so about a year ago i advertised for a volunteer on the rnib hub and Shibani, who lived in london could work flexibly and had a background in it was the perfect choice Shibani is the spreadsheet queen I know this stuff is all way below your pay grade, but the knowledge that it was all in your very capable hands was just so reassuring. You had spreadsheets for abstracts, for papers, for presenters, for delegates, for reports, for observers. Oh, and then guess what? Covid. You know that short volunteering opportunity you signed up for, all done and sorted before the summer? Could you possibly carry on for another six months? Scrap most of your spreadsheets and start all over again and bless you, despite other commitments and a young family, you said yes. So we went again. This time you're working with Matthew, supervising the recording of all the presentations, registering nearly 200 people, answering queries, sending out the conference packs. And once again, every day this week, you have been an absolute star. And even today, you've been discussing with Dave doing a post-assembly survey of attendees' thoughts on the event. So from the bottom of my heart, Shabani, take a bow. (laughs) And a big bunch of virtual flowers. Thank you so very much. Well, there you have it. Not quite what we had in mind last March, but I think together we have made more than a decent fist of it. I really, really hope our world recovers from this seismic event and that we will be able to meet up once more face to face in four years time. Thank you all for your friendship and contributions. Until then, for the very last time, good morning, good evening and good night. Bye, everybody. Thank you.
21: Hi everybody. Thanks, Mandy.
16: Yeah,
21: thanks, thank all. Thank you. Bye bye now, everybody. Bye Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye now. Thank bye you all. Everybody. Bye
2: Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks thank you so care. much.
14: Bye. Take care. Bye.
11: bye. Thanks
14: for bye.
2: Australia. Bye. Bye bye. Bye, Jordy. Bye, bye everyone. Bye. Bye.
22: Thank you. bye Mary. Bye.
14: See you,
22: Mary. See Mary. you, See Mary. you in Montreal
14: in 2022.
4: Yay! Oh, <laughs> Oh, I love Montreal.
14: Bring <laughs> it on. It's not far from you, Judy, but it's still different i know and it's a wonderful place it is good food yes bye Bye.
0: there you go i thought i'd leave that up rather than fading it down and give people just a sense of the atmosphere in zoom at the end of that final day of proceedings of the seventh general assembly of the international council on english braille and just like on the first day of proceedings we have finished slightly early Uh, The time is 10.46pm here in the United Kingdom, that is 21.46 UTC, so we were due to finish at 2200 UTC, so about 15 minutes early there. So, um, the final set of post-event analysis is coming up very soon, just to dot a few eyes. And uh, cross a few Ts. First of all, that uh, postcard from not postcard, that um, Braille bonus from Pat Farrell. uh, We do have a a longer version of that uh, that is uh, has slightly better audio quality and we'll be making that available on the podcast. But because we're making the longer version available on the podcast, I thought people might like to hear the short version on the stream. Uh, the first incoming executive meeting, we heard about this, uh, it, it's going to be on Monday the 26th of October uh, at uh, twenty hundred UTC, and the clocks go back in the UK on Sunday, so that is in fact 8pm in the United Kingdom, not 9pm. Um, I think it's important to mention that because at the start of the week we talked about the General Assembly and how different it was virtually and all of this and uh, and i mean it's all absolutely true it's different virtually and we talked about some of the things that were missing two things that were missing that didn't really get much uh much note were there would normally be on the sunday so that the general assembly would normally start on the monday over the weekend so probably on the sunday afternoon there would be a meeting of the outgoing executive uh that would take place in person face to face um and uh, observers would be welcome to attend that and then after the general assembly so probably on the saturday morning if we were if we were face to face on the saturday morning or possibly on the friday afternoon there would usually be a meeting of the incoming executive and again that would take place face to face and that meeting is what will now happen on monday so the incoming executive meeting actually happening slightly later than it would normally happen even though it kind of feels uh, to to us lay people like it's actually quite early after the general assembly um Countries at some point will be asked to appoint members to the committees, uh, for example, the, the Code Maintenance Committee uh, and the Special Purpose Committees like the Braille Technology Committee, uh, the Research Committee, the Certification Committee. These are not permanent standing committees, so they will be resurrected by the in- incoming executive, presumably at the first meeting. So the first meeting of the incoming executive, there are some really quite important things that, uh, that need to be done um we heard from most of the incoming executive uh and we'll we'll sort of talk about that in a second uh we, on sunday we had a very factual look at their biographies tonight we heard um more about them in person uh we heard them speak we heard from judy the president of course judy dixon from the us who is now officially deterritorialized. Uh, Ilka Staglin from Ireland, the new vice president. Francis Mary D'Andrea, who is doing a second term as secretary uh, from the United States. Kathy Reeson from Australia, who is now newly deterritorialized as the Co- maintenance officer. Maria Stevens, the new P.R.O. Jen Golden, the new the the, uh, the uh, second time. Treasurer. Geordie Howell, who's a new member at large from Australia. James Bowden, a member at large from the UK. The only person actually we didn't hear from tonight was Jefeny Necichuni from South Africa. Uh, And I think it's important just to emphasise how this works. The executive is made up of one representative per country. The country only has one representative on the executive. So for example, now that Maria Stevens is the public relations officer, New Zealand does not have a member at large. Um, So similarly, uh, Australia in the last term would not have had a member at large because Leona Holloway was the public relations officer so she would have also served as Australia's uh, representative so the executive has 10 members total, this assumes that the constitutional amendment for the uh, pres- the, the territorialisation of the uh, p- previous past president uh, will go through. If it doesn't, then presumably Njofini would have to step down because Christo would take on uh, the South Africa role. But we don't think that's going to happen. And uh, quite sadly, Mary Schneckenberg will be stepping down from her role as immediate past president because Christo de Klerk will be taking that up. So, let's... um. Let's talk to Holly Scott Gardner about some of what came up uh, in all of that discussion. It was really interesting to hear the different uh, biographies, wasn't it?
1: It was so interesting and I think what really stood out to me was just people being very honest about their own experiences and very relaxed and really talking about if they're a blind person their understanding of braille, and how braille was important to them growing up. And I I found um, Christo's speech actually, even though he's stepping down as president, it it was quite funny when he was saying about how he thought, you know, just children didn't see that much. And I think most blind people will have something like that from their childhood, or even if it's not that specific kind of thing it's funny to hear those kinds of stories. And, and that was something that really, really stood out to me, just people being very true to themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the wealth of experience that people have, the different perspectives that people are coming to Braille from, the different backgrounds that people are coming to Braille from. Um, you know, we, we have a, a very different president this time to the president last time, but that's, you know, that's, that's not a bad thing, right?
1: No, I think it's really good. I think it's very, very healthy in an organization because what you don't want is to say, okay, the president must be like this. Obviously there are some leadership characteristics that you're going to look for, but you don't want to say, well, okay, every president must have this exact experience with blindness, must have learned braille when they were three years old, you know, and and, and all this, because you lose so many people by doing that and you lose these amazing perspectives. So I think it's really important actually to have people from different countries, from different life experiences, taking on this role.
0: And it was interesting to see, um, you know, picking up on some of the themes that, that came through. There were people with different levels of experience. You know, Judy has a, a PhD, which is, which is quite exciting. Um, there was also the theme that came through of uh, sighted people Having an interest in Braille. And I think for me, that is really encouraging because as a as a blind person, I kind of thought, well, Braille's a blind thing and, and I'm a bit of a nerd because I've got an interest in Braille. And not only am I a bit of a nerd, but I'm a bit of a nerd with a very like minor uh, group of, of nerds to hang around with. And so it's really cool to have sighted people interested in Braille, isn't it?
1: Oh it absolutely is and I totally get what you're saying because even within the blind world being fascinated and really enthusiastic about braille doesn't necessarily make you cool. It's that thing of you know you are a nerd and and you accept that and I would say I'm definitely a nerd and whilst we might talk about nerdy braille stuff we definitely have mutual blind friends who would not want to talk about that. So it, it isn't just by virtue of our blindness, it, it's who we are as well, and I think when we find sighted people who have that interest, I think that's actually really exciting and really cool, and what really struck me was the different ways in which some of these sighted people came to blindness, whether that was they just sort of ended up knowing a blind person, or working with a blind student, or they started in transcription, and it was all these different ways in which they'd found blindness and blind people, and then come to braille through that, because not even every blindness professional, as we well know, values braille, so I think it takes a rare kind of person and a good kind of person and the kind of people we really want to be professionals in the blindness field to love braille that much and to become that enthusiastic.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I always ask, you know, if there's a sighted person who's doing braille, it's the first thing I ask is, you know, so what actually, you know, why? Like there's all these other things that you could be doing. <laughs> so, you know, why braille? But it's so cool, isn't it?
1: Oh, it really is. I mean, I I love it. I think it's amazing. And I'm always so enthusiastic when I meet sighted people who either know Braille or care about Braille, or even when I have sighted friends who are like, oh, I bought a slate so I could slate you a Christmas card. It's like, how many people do that? Not Mm. many. So when someone does, I'm always like, it's great.
0: It's so touching as well, isn't it? Because they've clearly gone to the extra mile to do things like that and and i you know i I, i'm always i'm not a sentimental person people send me birthday cards and i just think yeah okay it's it's another birthday card but i always pay special attention to the birthday cards that have got braille in because i think you've actually gone to the trouble of doing this
1: oh yeah if i receive a birthday card in braille i actually care about that card because i think the point is it's for me and someone's recognized that actually i am a braille reader and and that is is nice and that feels like someone's actually thinking about me and who I am rather than oh I better send them a birthday card kind of thing
0: (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely so moving on from the biographies to actually what came out a lot of um really quite inspirational things came out of of tonight in terms of the resolutions but then in terms of what ICEB looks like over the next four years and what the direction should be and the spirit of collaboration once again raised its head and I think this is brilliant I, I was writing out in a little sound bites as, as all these presentations were going through and the, the first one on my list is those on the executive are your representatives and the second one braille authorities should be engaged with the work of ICEB and I think those two are just it's really nice to hear that and to have that affirmed.
1: I think it's really really important and I it's just this whole week has shown me that ICEB as an organization is formed of people and I say that to mean that these are people who care, these are very human people who actually just want the best for braille and for those of us who read braille and I mean one thing that really stood out to me was talking about outreach to braille learners and not leaving them behind and you know really welcoming them into the braille community and that is so nice to hear as well that this goes beyond those of us who are complete nerds to everyone who reads braille because any braille reader matters.
0: Yes absolutely and that was reflected a bit further on when that was observers Get involved. I'm looking down these notes. You know, conc- contribute to the newsletter. Contribute to social media. We need more people on committees. Be a member of a committee. Be an observer on a committee. Um, attracting more associate members. You know, all of this, all of this sort of stuff. And I, I think it's really encouraging uh, to hear some of those comments.
1: I mean, it definitely encouraged me because I'm someone who's looking at my future career. I want to go into research and I often think, well, how can I give back to my community? And I, I don't always know the answers to that. I think part of that's being young, but you know, I, it is encouraging to hear people say get involved. And I actually joined UCAF this week as just an ordinary member because I was like, oh, well, why not join my country's organisation?
0: Well, isn't that good to hear? Yeah, and uh, and it's it's really good that the General <laughs> Assembly has had that effect. Um, you know, if you've done it, then maybe other people have done it. So th- we've got these three priorities. We've got increased visibility, expand capacity, grow a financial base. We've talked about these in some detail. There's, there's good ideas for PR to take up. We must get better at digital braille. That's a theme that's kind of rolled on through the week. They were encouraged by the attendance. Attendance was slightly dropped off tonight. There's about fifty six, but even fifty six, you know, that's a that's a pretty good number, um, you know. And and then we talked about the corporate sponsorship program on the back of off the back of digital braille, uh, and you know that the the idea that um, if they support us i i guess we're talking about uh companies like freedom scientific and you know a a big big tech companies that make screen readers you know humanware that make braille displays um you know i I guess that's the sort of thing that we're talking about but it was i i think it was really good to get that clarity on what that relationship looks like we will help you by making standards is is what it felt like was coming out of it we'll help you by making standards if You help us by paying us to write those standards.
1: I think that's really important, honestly, because especially when we consider that the people who run ICEB are either blind people or sighted people working in the blindness field, neither of these groups tends to be massively wealthy. I mean they're just they're just not the highest paying jobs in the world if we're being realistic and yet the work that's being done is really high level and actually tech companies gain a lot from the work that's being done. And yes, okay, they're giving back by building screen readers and things, but actually when we look at the skills that clearly lots of blind people have, there's an element of okay, you're you're taking our work. I mean, that's fine, but can we have something in return and I mean, I was even thinking companies like Google, for example, or Apple who may use elements of um, of open source braille technology and who certainly benefit from standards being written. So I mean it could even extend to companies like that, and I think that would be important too.
0: yeah, absolutely. And in the grand scheme of things, certainly for some of these countries, I imagine the amount of money that we're expecting from corporate sponsorship can't be very much. I mean, ICEB, you know, we're talking about, you know, 10 to $20,000 in the account, you know. So, I mean, you know, if if Apple was to give $10,000 and Google was to give $10,000 and VFO Freedom Scientific was to give $5,000, you know, that is an enormous increase on what ICEB has got at the moment just by itself. And this is a tiny fraction, surely, of the, the profit that they would be making through screen readers and, and other technologies.
1: Oh yeah, it would make such a huge difference to ICEB and really it it wouldn't cost very much in the grand scheme of things for these companies. But I think we have to look at what could be done with that money. And when you think of what ICB is doing already, actually some really really incredible things could be done with that and it's also financial security which you have to think about too and it does seem like ICEB is really really sensible financially and that is obviously a positive but having that established financial security and potentially being able to expand and do some other projects which maybe couldn't be done you know things like even commissioning research or I I noticed the idea of a scholarship or something like that and those are ideas that probably aren't going to happen within the next year or two because you have to be realistic but if that financial backing was there actually these kinds of projects could happen
0: absolutely and how about a scholarship fund I mean you've already told me that you want to go into research for a career I mean wouldn't it be fabulous if you could do some research into braille I mean, what would you research?
1: Oh, what would I research? I mean, there's so many things. So. I mean I want to understand this, this argument around is Braille slower or are there reasons why Braille readers are slower, I think that's a big argument that we have to look at. I want to research um, various standards and whether what kind of difference it makes to blind people and that, that goes beyond Braille so even things like web accessibility standards which isn't necessarily related to Braille but also is because actually we can't use refreshable Braille without a lot of these things being implemented on the web or we can't use it effectively because it relies on working with our screen readers so there's so many things I would like to research I mean the the problem is the list just gets longer every day which actually isn't necessarily a problem but it does mean I do wonder when will I ever have the time to research all these things
0: yeah absolutely and and maybe part of what needs to happen is that some of this needs to be commissioned out to someone else so maybe you should prioritize your list and work out which ones you 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 don't want to do quite as much (laughs) (laughs) But it would be wonderful to see some of that research done. There's so many things that I've said, and I haven't been keeping a list. Uh, I think I've basically given most of my list over to you, actually, because I know that you're, you're more likely to do it than I am. But, like, there's so many things where I've said, actually, yeah, we need to do some research into this. We need to work out, you know, what is going on here. And to be able to do that with with international backing as well, uh, I I think is... I mean, I don't want to get too excited about it because it's an ambitious goal, but... It would be such a fun goal if it could work.
1: Uh, It would be incredible, honestly. I mean, even without financial support to research, I think what ICB does do is give you a platform for that research. So let's say you study for your PhD and that's all funded through a research council or your university you can take a paper to an ICEB General Assembly, and actually it has a really enthusiastic audience where at your university, okay, people are gonna find it interesting, but let's be honest, most people aren't going to care about braille in the same way people at ICEB do. So I think what it gives you is just a really warm, nice community who are actually going to value that, which, I know as a student can be a huge self-esteem boost because it kind of feels a bit depressing to research and everyone goes, oh, okay, well, it's just Braille, you know, and you're like, well, no, it's not just Braille. Braille's important.
0: Yeah, and especially, I mean, I don't know if you've had much experience of this yet, but but a research, uh, and I don't have any experience at all, so maybe I'm just talking nonsense, but you know, research has to be supervised. And what if the supervisor of the research actually doesn't get Braille?
1: Oh, I would imagine that happens quite a lot, so what you might have is a supervisor who understands education policy or who understands disability rights or something like that because finding a supervisor who's an expert in braille is going to be very difficult because really you've got to find someone at your university, so that is hard. And so, I mean, I think you can still have a wonderful supervisor even if they don't know braille, if they believe in your project, which is, I mean, really what you hope from a supervisor. But certainly having a whole community that you could then bring it to who would just get excited about the nerdy stuff, you know, and who would just be excited about the braille. Like to me, I I think it's because I love braille so much that to be able to bring a research project to a community like this would be incredible for me.
0: So, we want to hear the f- the ideas on the future of ICEB. That was Judy's closing remark. She wants to hear ideas from anybody on the future of ICEB. That just goes back to the, the, the theme of collaboration that we've been talking about. She gave out her email address, which, for those that missed it, is judy, J-U-D-Y, at Judy D-I-X-O-N dot net. And, of course, there's also possibilities to um, to go through Rail authorities and to be a real part of the the detailed work of ICP if that's the sort of thing that you want to do. The thanks were good, actually. They they weren't terribly repetitious, and it was it was really good uh, to find out that Canada has provisionally offered to host the 2022 midterm executive meeting. So the the what happens? I think we've talked about this earlier on in the week, but um the, the uh, there's a general assembly every four years, and in the two years between. General Assembly. So for example, in twenty twenty two there will be a midterm face to face meeting of the Executive Committee. So that basically means the executive gets to meet three times in face to face. They meet once at the end of the General Assembly in 2020, except that's not happening because it's because of circumstances, but go with it. you yeah, once at the end of 2020, then once in 2022, and then again at the start of 2024. And so that the midterm executive meeting is a much more detailed meeting than the high level General Assembly, but observers are just as welcome at the midterm executive meeting as they would be at the incoming executive meeting or the outgoing executive meeting. So. I don't know how much flights cost from the UK to Canada, but I'm thinking at this point that I might be getting on a plane and going to the 2022 midterm executive meeting.
1: <laughs> I don't blame you. I mean, it would just be the most fun thing ever. I I don't know. I, I feel so enthusiastic after this week. It was exactly what I needed just for, for so many reasons. I mean, I've been feeling enthusiastic about Braille, but yeah, I mean... Just getting to go to a meeting like that would definitely be a lot of fun.
0: So the whole event has gone really well. And I think probably we're we're almost um, out of things to say on the stream. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's lots that when we finish the stream, we'll go, oh, we should have said that. We really, really should have said that. But I just want to touch before we go on the social media side of things, because we talked about Twitter a little bit on the first day and we haven't really come back to it since. And Mandy mentioned it in the thank yous and it just kind of made me think, you know, we had the hashtag ICEB 2020. uh, We had... Uh, Leona live tweeting from the ICB Twitter account. We've had some retweets. We've had you know so, some some engagement. And and Holly, you're a you're a Twitter, right? So you know what does that look like? I mean, has it picked up since Sunday?
1: Um, I think to a degree, yes. I've definitely seen a lot of organisations tweeting. So the various different Braille authorities, I've seen different presenters. Um, tweeting a few times, which has been really nice. I've seen a few people when the RNIB tweeted, they got some retweets, so there's definitely been some people, I mean, and I've had a couple of people reach out to me to say, oh, I was listening, that was good, or oh, I'm, you know, joining from this country, so that's been nice. I mean, it hasn't been what I would call incredibly busy but I think that's to be expected for a really niche event but what I do think's happened is that people have connected and certainly Leona's tweets have been really helpful because um, she's tweeted out a lot of different quotes that various presenters have said and overviews of their papers and that's been really really good and certainly for me when I'm writing things up about the the days and the experience overall it's been actually very helpful to have that.
0: Yeah, it's been great for taking notes for the live stream, I guess, as well, because you can actually look back and and get the quote rather than trying to remember what people said.
1: Oh, yeah, that's been very helpful. So I definitely appreciate her for doing that. There
0: we go. It's just gone ten past eleven, and I'm going to very sadly draw this to a close. It has been absolutely amazing to be the anchor of the coverage, and it's been wonderful to have you, Holly, with me. Thank you so much for being here and making it so much fun to to go and do this. Any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to join you on the live stream. I had no idea what to expect at first. I was extremely nervous on Sunday. I thought, oh, I'm going to make this a complete disaster. I'm not going to have anything to say, and that hasn't been the case at all. And I also just want to say a huge thank you to the RNIB and UCAF for organizing this because it's been so organized and just getting to join in in this way has been an incredible experience for me and a really, really positive one.
0: So on that note, at just Before quarter past 11, I'm going to sign it off for the week. You have been listening to live coverage of the 7th General Assembly of the International Council on English Braille with Matthew Horspool and Holly Scott Gardner. And who knows, we might be back with you in 2022 or 2024 for the next one either on a live stream or perhaps as a delegate or an observer or in some capacity i'm sure this is not the last that you've heard from the two of us so on behalf of both of us thank you very very much for listening please if you want to listen to any of it again you can do so on the podcast it'll be available at live.brailcast.com for the foreseeable future i don't want to put a date on it but i mean certainly for the next you know uh, nine to 12 months, I would imagine with with some certainty, we'll be able to keep it up there. So please, if you want to listen back, then, then please do so. And uh, just thank you very much for your company from myself, Matthew Horspool and Holly Scott Gardner. Thank you and good night.